here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. What if I told you we were putting a team together? Who's we? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. This is now playing's Avengers Retrospective Series. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Part of the now playing Marvel Comic Movie Series. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Hosted by Arnie. I just pay for everything and design everything and make everyone look cooler. Jacob. I will be fair but firmly cool. And Stuart. No way we all get through this. I got no plans tomorrow night. What are you prepared to do? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies featuring the superheroes Iron Man. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. The Incredible Hulk. He was a freak accident. The goal is to do it better. Thor. You're big. Fort bigger. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me suck old Adolf on the job? Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. And the Avengers. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Let me emphasize that what I'm about to share with you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the army. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Listener discretion is advised. I've always been more curious than cautious. So, are we going to do this? Gentlemen, you're up. Today we're discussing Avengers Age of Ultron, starring Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, James Spader, Samuel L. Jackson, Don Cheadle, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Kobe Smulders, Anthony Mackie, Haley Atwell, Idris Elba, Stella Skarsgård, Linda Cardellini, Claudia, Kim, Thomas Kretschmann, Andy Serkis, Julie Delpy. And not Natalie Portman. Or Gwyneth. <laughs> nope. This is the now playing co-host who's both fast and weird, Arnie. Stewart in L.A. And this is the host who always makes sure the gates of hell are filled with the screams of my victims, Jacob. So welcome back to the Marvel Universe. Avengers Age of Ultron. Could the hype have been much bigger? People were saying possibly the biggest movie opening of all time. Looks like it may just be a hair's short from the original thanks to, you know, a boxing match and a horse race and a royal baby. But globally... I mean, this is the summer movie this year, isn't it? Well, I don't know. We, we're having a big year already. I underestimated the value of Furious 7, and that is the biggest movie prior to the opening of this. So who knows? We may all be surprised by the end of summer that it's Fantastic Four that ends up on top. But probably not. Maybe Ant-Man will pull a Guardians of the Galaxy and be the biggest movie <laughs> of the summer. <laughs> I am not going to diss Ant-Man because that is what burned me last summer when I'm like, nobody's going to see Guardians of the Galaxy with a raccoon in a tree. Shit, we may all love insects by the end of summer. I don't know. Language. <laughs> but yes, excuse me. The biggest movie so far of the year, presumably until Star Wars is Avengers Age of Ultron. Hey, you shouldn't feel bad about Ant-Man. When I saw this in IMAX, I heard somebody behind me in the theater go, 
if they can make that work, they can do anything, which I think is what people <laughs> said about Guardians, too. And that's what I said about Guardians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I won't underestimate it. We'll get there when we get there. But yeah, Ultron, we've taken a different tack with Phase 2, and I felt like I had to go back because unlike when we built up to the original Avengers, we were seeing all those movies in close proximity. And for me, sometimes it was the first time I was seeing those movies. I felt like a story was unfolding. Here, I suddenly realized, I don't remember what happened. I need to refresher. And so I did take your advice, Arnie. I did go back. I watched Iron Man 3. I watched... Thor 2. Oh, no, I'm, no, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the original Avengers and I watched Captain America Winter Soldier. I felt like that was going to help me remember where those characters were. And I saw, believe it or not, a few episodes of Peggy Carter. <laughs> I did try to go to that Avengers marathon for reasons I'd prefer not to go into. I had a personal crisis that I had to leave the marathon uh, during Thor. Nah. So, okay. <laughs> if you gotta go, that was the one. That remains my least favorite. Special thanks to a listener of ours, Jason, very nice guy who I met at the theater, who was actually able to score me the medal, even though I didn't make it to the finish line. At least I got the collectible. But, I mean, I rewatched all these movies around Christmas, and I did watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because... They were using the hashtag, it's all connected. Joss Whedon came out and said in interviews, yeah, it's kind of not. So <laughs> what he what he really said is the movie people are pissed off that he undid the Coulson death. Jeez. And so as far as the movies are concerned, Coulson is still dead. <laughs> the TV series, in my view, not Joss Whedon's words, but based on what he said, it's basically a parasite where they're going to take movie threads and whatever actors they can get whenever they can get them and try to tie it together, but the movies are not going to rely on the TV show. They're not going to try to make it any more of an enhanced experience than if you read the prequel comics, which I read too, you know? There's just such extraneous stuff for the fanboys who can't get enough. I said on Facebook on a friend's post, because he was asking, how much Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. do I have to watch in order to understand and enjoy Age of Ultron? And I'm like, None of it. <laughs> Absolutely none of it. And somebody's like, what do you mean none of it? It's all connected. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, you just buy that hype. Listen, I'm a fan. And as a fan, I say, if you can't get enough and you just got to inject Marvel in your blood and a higher, higher dose like Mr. Brownstone, then watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The show has gotten better than where it was a year ago when we were discussing it. After Winter Soldier, the show took on a new tact, but it's ties to Age of Ultron. If you want to believe it, Phil Coulson and his team led the Avengers to the castle where this movie starts. Not that the Avengers would ever show up on a TV screen, but that is the tie. If they wanted to make it matter, we would have seen an Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the end of this movie. There isn't one. The only movie I revisited before Age of Ultron was Captain America 2, and that was, well, because it was a really good movie, and I wanted to <laughs> mm -hmm. see it again. Going into Age of Ultron, you know, I, I remember Iron Man 3. I remember Thor 2, unfortunately. I remember Guardians. I knew Guardians would tie into this, but I didn't feel anything really built up 
to this Avengers Age of Ultron any more than, I, I mean, Captain America 2. Oh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is gone. You know, I watched the, well, I watched five episodes of the Daredevil Netflix episode, and they kind of referenced the first Avengers movie. I felt that was as tied in and built up as much to Age of Ultron than any of the actual theatrical Phase 2 have so far. I, you know, we didn't see Samuel Jackson going around building the Avengers initiative in these previous films. So I didn't feel a lot of hype going into this Avengers because I've seen Thor save the universe in the dark world. I've seen the president of the United States be saved by Iron Man without an Iron Man suit. So where was my hype to feel excited that the Avengers needed to come together again as a team? The stakes are different, right? I mean, they had something to prove last time. Last time they had to prove and convince the world that World War II super soldiers could fight alongside genetic freaks and Norse gods and, and make all the disparate elements congeal, and they did it well. I gotta say, I enjoyed Avengers much more the second time than I did the first time. The first time I was like, I like it, but it's not really my thing. Now I, I would just honestly say, if you are new to superhero movies, the Avengers should be one of the first movies you watch. It really is vastly entertaining and really juggles a lot of characters in a very expertly way. Despite all of its flaws, I think everything that I criticized about the movie is true, but I still think yeah, it's a solid recommend on that movie. But phase two, what's phase two about? I mean, the one strain that I noticed is that everyone's quitting. <laughs> yes. At the end of Iron Man 3, Iron Man's walking away. At the end of Thor, he renounces the throne to go live with Jane. At the end of Captain America, there's no more shield for Cap to be a part of. So I thought that Ultron really had to deal with the fact that, yeah, these people were no longer connected that they would have to find an interesting way to reassemble. Yeah, I want to just apologize because, Stuart, you asked what movies you should watch, and I reluctantly said Iron Man 3 and then also Winter Soldier and the first Avengers. I stand by the first Avengers, and I do believe the barrier of entry is very high for Age of Ultron. I don't think you could come into this movie without having seen the first Avengers. They're just going to assume you know who these characters are and what their relationships are. However... No Phase 2 movie really matters at all, does it? I mean, with the exception of the end credit scene from Captain America, which set up where this movie is going to begin, honestly, this is pretty much a standalone film and where I and millions of other people online were all like trying to tie together where this all would come together and how could Iron Man be in Avengers 2 if he blew up all his suits at the end of Iron Man 3 and what is going to bring them all back together. This movie is packed enough with other stuff that it's basically going to say, screw it. We're not going to even reference anything that happened other than there is no shield anymore. Other than that major change of events in Winter Soldier, this movie stands completely alone in part two. You ask, what is part two about? If part one is having something to prove, part two is... We're on top, bitches, and we're just going to do what we want. <laughs> we be cashing checks. <laughs> yeah. We could be a little nicer here and say also that Joss Whedon is doing Avengers again, although I understand he's had a hand in rewriting a line or two or pepping something up. He hasn't been involved with every Phase 2 movie. So, you know, of course, he's picking up right after his Avengers. He's not necessarily going to incorporate all the things that all the other movies left dangling. I disagree on his role. While Kevin Feige is the one who is certainly in charge, and Whedon would talk in interviews about how he and Feige would clash a little bit over the direction of this film. You know, both have creative impulses. They hired Whedon to basically a 
three-year contract where Whedon created Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is why I think he's a little bit pissy that it's not more incorporated, and he oversaw, rewrote, had input on all of the Phase 2 movies. At one point, I think it was during Thor of the Dark World, they said something wasn't going right, and they literally just had a chopper bring in Whedon to save the day. He was integral to this. He also said that they offered him enough money to set him up for life to do Avengers 3 and 4, but he said the stress of staying involved with Marvel would mean his life would only be five years long. And I think we see that bleed over into the storylines of this movie. I do feel like workaholism and uh, wanting to quit a team is a big theme. I feel like Joss's frustration at where he's at with the Avengers. He's been pretty frank on the interview circuit talking about how he's done, done, and needs to focus on his personal life. I believe him after seeing the movie. One thing to point out when you were going to talk about Joss, he came in and directed the Avengers, but he was kind of an 11th hour in director. They had other ideas and it was a script that he worked on and rewrote, but it wasn't his script. Mm -hmm. This is his baby start to finish. He wrote it. It was his concept. It was his choice to go with Ultron. Everything we see here Whedon with a lot of Feige influence. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure we'll be mentioning that a lot as we get into the middle of this movie. I did see this movie twice. I saw it once in 2D because all of the stuff I was hearing ahead of time was that the 3D was really blurry for the effects. I heard this, you know, our friends across the sea got it week before we did. And everything I was hearing is you could barely see the special effects in the 3D version. So I went and I saw this on a regular old 2D screen for my first viewing. I kind of thought the effects were blurry in that. I then went and saw it in St. Louis at an IMAX, met some listeners, believe it or not, in line there. I just want to say hi to Chris and all the others I met there in line. It was a fun experience. And seeing it IMAX 3D... I thought the 3D was completely useless, but it was actually a little sharper than the 2D when it came to the effects. And I'll say right away, I feel this is a movie that benefits from repeat watchings. So I'm glad I've seen it twice. Uh, benefits from repeat watchings. I can kind of address this. I saw it one and a half times, uh, which is to say that I went to the matinee yesterday at a dine-in theater thinking it would be a nice breakfast, a nice way to kick off the day. Well, it ended up being long, like Eugene O'Neill long, as Tony Stark (laughs) would say. I mean, there was a fire alarm. And during the middle of this movie, after the Africa portion of this movie, I had to leave the theater with everyone else. We were hanging on the street wondering whether they'd ever let us back in. They did, but apparently they cannot pick up where they left off. They have to reset the projectors. I had to go see the movie again in a different theater. I went in, started watching it, knew instantly when I didn't see the Marvel logo, something was wrong. (laughs) Age of Adeline was playing instead. (laughs) That's a totally different Avengers movie, by the way. Worse than Ultron, I gotta say, more fearsome was to be confronted with that. And so it took him a while to figure out how to get the right movie in there. I mean, it it ended up being five hours long, and I did see the first half of the movie twice. But I might have preferred to see the end twice, because that was where I really had questions. I didn't feel like I was confused, really, until the last hour of this movie. And I just saw this movie once in 2D, went to a Saturday matinee, like you, Stuart, no fire alarms, but I, I was surprised. I went to the first viewing Saturday morning and a packed theater, I'd say probably about 90% full. 
Yeah, my IMAX showings were sold out and the one before me sold out. I was glad I pre-ordered tickets. The box office for this is astronomical and yeah, it doesn't surprise me. My theater was pretty full. All right, Arnie, the plot, why don't you give it to us and we can get into the movie. In the time since Captain America the Winter Soldier, the Avengers have been raiding Hydra strongholds across the globe. Without S.H.I.E.L.D. to back him up, Chris Evans' character Captain America has called upon the aid of his friends Iron Man, again played by Robert Downey Jr., Thor, again Chris Hemsworth, Black Widow, played by Scarlett Johansson, Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner for the third time, and the Hulk Bruce Banner, again played by Mark Ruffalo. When the movie begins, they're raiding the castle of Baron Von Strucker, which we saw at the end of The Winter Soldier. Backed by Tony Stark's Iron Legion of Robot Soldiers, they defend the country of Sokovia, but are attacked by Strucker's two enhanced humans, the Maximoff twins, Wanda, played by Elizabeth Olsen, the Scarlet Witch, who has telekinesis and can mess with people's minds, and Pietro, played by Aaron Taylor-Johnson, the hero Quicksilver, who can move really fast. Wanda casts a spell on Tony in which he sees the Chitari attacking and all the Avengers are dead. So when he gets his hands on Loki's scepter, he convinces Bruce Banner to help him finish the Ultron program. Tony's plan for a robot hero who would keep peace and protect Earth from aliens in ways the Avengers can't. But the program in Loki's scepter is powerful and destroys Tony's previous AI program, Jarvis, before deciding the path to peace is the extinction of the Avengers. So Ultron goes to Sokovia and recruits Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver to help his master plan, which involves stealing vibranium from arms dealer Ulysses Claw, played by Andy Serkis, and letting the Scarlet Witch use her mind powers to rip the Avengers apart. Her spells cause Thor to have a vision of Asgard destroyed, Captain America sees the life with Peggy Carter he'll never have, Black Widow relives her training and sterilization as an assassin, and Hulk, he just kind of rampages around South Africa only to be stopped by Tony Stark's Hulkbuster armor. The rampage fuels anti-Avenger sentiment across the globe, so the group goes to Hawkeye's farm? Who knew? Where they meet his <laughs> wife and children? I'm telling you, when they finally have a Marvel channel, he's going to host like a home improvement show. On it. <laughs> I can see it now. We're not done with this. It's all connected. This old Hawkeye. <laughs> Thor goes off to pursue more about his vision with the help of Stellan Skarsgård's returning character, Dr. Eric Selvig, and the rest of the Avengers go to stop Ultron's new plan to build a partially alive android body. And Scarlet Witch sees Ultron's larger plan, an extinction-level event to force humanity to evolve or die. So Witch and Quicksilver join forces with the Avengers to steal the casket with the new body. But when Tony captures the android body, he convinces Banner they should try their robot defense platform again! It worked so well the first time. And they take the AI of Jarvis, who wasn't dead but hiding on the internet, and put it into the android. Banner agrees, and though Captain America, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver try to stop Stark from building another murder bot, Thor arrives and finishes the job, birthing Vision, an android played by Paul Bethany. Okay, there's where I'm going to have the question. Vision isn't an Avenger necessarily, but he says he is on the side of life, so he joins with the Avengers to stop Ultron from his final plan, which is to lift Sokovia into the air so high that it will crash down like a meteor, creating the extinction level event. 
There's lots of fighting, Quicksilver dies, saving Hawkeye's life, but with the help of Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, who shows up with a helicarrier, the Avengers save the people of Sokovia and defeat Ultron. Hulk then boards a Quinjet in stealth mode, flying off to parts unknown. Thor returns to Asgard to find out more about the Infinity Stones he saw in his vision. Tony Stark retires again from superheroing. He means it this time, (laughs) until next year. And this leaves Captain America and Black Widow ready to train a new group of Avengers consisting of Falcon, War Machine, Vision, and the Scarlet Witch as credits roll. (sighs) Damn, there's a lot of people in this movie. There you go. Yeah, a lot more characters to talk about. They're only adding to the cast list. But yeah, I was prepared for something that was really going to be challenging. I was afraid that I was not going to be able to keep up with this movie. But it's a relatively simple story here that it was helpful to have gone back and seen things. I had forgotten the in-credit scene of Captain America where we met Von Strucker. I would have been momentarily confused about where we were when this movie starts out raiding his castle. But I think audiences can just go with it. It's an action scene that's going to reintroduce all our heroes. But I am confused. This is probably where I'm most confused. This is Loki's staff, right? With the Tesseract from the Avengers? It is the staff. It's not the Tesseract. Where did they get this? I I, I know Captain America. He's going to drop a line. Oh, hey, remember how S.H.I.E.L.D. was really Hydra? I thought Thor took the staff back with them. I, I was just confused why Hydra even had this staff with one of the magic glowing rocks that these Marvel films love. If you really care, it's in a prequel comic. I actually bought the prequel <laughs> comic and read it, and it explains how Baron Von Strucker Hydra agents stole it from S.H.I.E.L.D. and took it to him right before the whole Hail Hydra Winter Soldier debacle. So it is out there, not even on a TV show, just in this prequel comic that I paid way too much to read. But it also included the first appearance of Vision and Ultron in comic form. So I'll be able to at least speak to that because... Well, I paid for it. I felt I should read it. (laughs) But yeah, this movie, I agree with Stuart. I thought this would start off again. At the end of Avengers, they all went their separate ways. And Maria Hill and Nick Fury were having that big talk about how will they come together? They will because we need them. And so I went back and not only rewatched all the movies, I re-listened to all of our old reviews so I could remember where we were as well as where the Avengers were. Yeah, I did that. And yeah, Stuart, you said in the Avengers, well, they come together to fight aliens. And during Iron Man 3, I'm like, well, where's Captain America to save the president? And during Thor 2, Jacob was like, where is everyone where there's a rampage in London? And your statement, Stuart, you being the pragmatic one was, you got to put this out of your mind. They can't just call in their friends every time. Yeah, they can, apparently, because that's exactly what freaking happens at the start of this movie. There's no huge event that brings the Avengers together. It's like, oh, there's a Hydra base. You guys busy? It really undermines the lack of the Avengers in all of the other films if they could just gather to go after Von Strucker, who is no Loki. Yeah, a number two thug at that. I gotta say, it gets funnier because here I am declaring at the end of Iron Man 3, we'll never see Robert Downey Jr. in that suit again. And in the first shot, zip, there he goes, running into a force field. 
Yeah, I feel like they should have taken elements of Iron Man 3 and should have just put him in this film. It would have worked a lot better. His PTSD and having whatever visions he was having in Iron Man 3, that would fit perfect with this opening when he finds Chitari machinery and the Scarlet Witch makes him see something. But I feel like this opening, like they're going for this big, fun, action-packed opening. I saw this in 2D. Maybe it looked a little bit better in 3D. It looked very plastic to me. It looked very soundstage, a lot of CGI. Later on in the film, the action scenes are going to look much better, but this opening scene, like, there's just an artificial feel for it to me that I haven't felt with a lot of these Marvel films when it comes to the CGI. Well, Jacob, it is a 2D thing. I felt the exact same way. I was watching this opening, and I'm like, oh my god, this looks horrible. What's wrong with the CGI? It was much better on the 3D IMAX. And hell, I actually then saw a clip from The Tonight Show where they showed this. It looks better on a TV screen. For some reason, the 2D digital projections of this just look like crap for this opening CGI, but it's not as bad as we saw in other platforms. Yeah, and I saw it real D 3D, not IMAX 3D, and it was fine. You know, again, I have nothing to say about the 3D other than it's serviceable. I felt like this was a moment where it popped. I kind of liked the shots where it, it would almost be like Halo video game, where we were we were as Captain America or Iron Man running towards enemies. There was some, every now and then, some depth that was interesting. I did suspect it might be a 3D thing. I do feel like 3D, they always go for their big shots right at the beginning, so they could slack off for the rest of the film. So I thought maybe that was it, that it would look better for this, at least this opening. And I'm going to give this opening some credit. Again, in 2D, I was just taken back by how rubbery and cartoonish everything looked. In 3D, Whedon pulls off an amazing thing. I have never seen a comic book spring to life. I know that's a phrase we've heard time and time again since the original Batman or maybe even the original Superman, but the moves, the combos, the banter, the effortless way in which everyone interacts It feels like somebody took an Avengers comic and just was able to bring it completely to life, including the convenience of all the Avengers are together for this completely invalid reason when they were all separate in their individual issues. Yeah, I'm not sure we're seeing the same characters that we left behind here. I mean, I never got a romance between Natasha Banner slash the Hulk, but they really have this whole right here at the beginning. She's like, I need someone on the tower and he comes in and does it for her and she has a lullaby that brings him back into human mode. I think there's been some progress in the relationship, but I felt like there was a spark of one in the Avengers. She was the one that had that interaction when he started tearing up the helicarrier and it always seemed like she was the one that was able to try to get him to calm down. I think she even recruited him at the beginning of the Avengers. I felt there was something there. Fear. Yes, fear. Abject terror. (laughs) That was what I got off it. The one thing that made this woman that was fearless quiver. I did think she had more of a thing for Hawkeye, which, surprise, surprise, when you get to this one, is way wrong. Yeah, she even wore a necklace with an arrow in it for Winter Soldier, really pushing forward that that was the relationship. Yeah, I like that it's Beauty who soothes the savage beast, you know, the classic Beauty and the Beast thing. It's right here at the beginning. I don't think that they've formed a relationship in between. I think we're seeing the beginnings of it. I also think it's completely against character and everything we've seen so far. It's perhaps, and I'm actually going to blame ScarJo for this, the least convincing aspect of this entire movie. This is a movie in which a eight to nine foot robot is going to wipe out all humanity. And what I don't believe is that ScarJo is interested in the Hulk. Uh, 
I, I'm not saying I don't believe it. It was just, it was a surprise. It made me feel like I needed to go back and watch it again because I didn't pick up on these cues. It's not there. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that was my suspicion is that this is just something that Josh says, I'm going to go with. I like the potential of, of what I can do with these characters. And he is usually good about pairing the right characters against one another. Case in point, I like the fact that Hawkeye, a relatively boring character, is going to be paired with Quicksilver. They're going to start their rivalry here. There is a mutant twin who can run very fast. As fast as Hawkeye can shoot arrows, Quicksilver can catch them, and they start their whole playful, you didn't see this coming (laughs) joke that will run through the movie. Hey, you don't need to tell our listeners who Quicksilver is. We reviewed him last year. Yeah, he's the guy that brightened the uh, Magneto breakout from that last X-Men film. And we should call out, though, I'm going to be calling him Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch through this review. They're never named that. They just go by their regular Christian names, Pietro and Wanda. But yes, I'll just say it right now, right? Days of Future Past Quicksilver wins. <laughs> he was barely in it, but the part he was in, yes, was better than anything they do with Quicksilver here. This Quicksilver is barely in it, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like they play it differently. Wisely, they decide to not go for the humor that X-Men so effortlessly got, that that character was so funny. They don't really try to make him funny. There's one bit later with him trying to grab Thor's hammer and falling on his ass. But by and large, I do feel like this Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are grieving orphans. They're angry at Stark for having killed their parents indirectly through the manufacturing of weapons of mass destruction. And so, tonally speaking, it's because they're bad guys here in the beginning, we're not going to laugh with them. And I have to say, I feel like there could have been more done with Sokovia, this vague, fictional Eastern European town that this opening raid is taking place in, where the twins come from. Iron Man's going to send out the Iron Legion, these autonomous Iron Men, to save the citizenry from fire from Hydra that's being shot. And we'll see the citizens turn on the Iron Legion. They're throwing, what, acid at one point? That's how we're going to get that melted mask when Ultron first appears. And we'll see some Banksy-style graffiti of Iron Man with the faces blurred out. I'm confused at this point. It'll come later, I guess, with the twins and their backstory, why they first join Hydra. But I'm like, why... What is with this town? Why is this town so important? It ends up becoming, I guess, somewhat important, I guess, for the twins' backstory. But I am wondering here at the beginning, why are people turning on Iron Man? Well, look at me trying to make connections here. But if you recall, at the end of Winter Soldier, Natasha leaked all of this bad information about S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of its agents. I'm imagining there's probably a lot of good data on why not to like Tony Stark. And he made the weapons that blew up their country. Uh, yes. Yeah, which we won't get till much later. I just felt like more could have been told about this town. There's going to be so much about the action. Any of my criticisms are going to come from, I wish we were shown this aspect more than we were just told by a character later on. Yeah, I I feel like maybe the twins should have been in the town and hadn't been recruited yet. But their story's a little weird. They're actually the same thing that Captain America is. They were puny people that were made supernatural by Von Strucker. He did some experimentation on them, not unlike the super soldier serum. There obviously was quite a bit of experimentation going on. These were created before Winter Soldier. I think that their backstory coming through exposition the way it does, it's too neat, but 
Come on, again, efficiency has got to be the key with this movie. The origin story we're going to see, and even it is hasty, is the origin story of Ultron. If they had to give us the origin story of Ultron and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, and oh, we also have an origin story of Vision, lest I forget. So they gotta keep it moving. That's not my fault. That is the film's fault. If they want to introduce all this, they, it doesn't give them an excuse. They still should come up with a good storytelling way to do it all. I don't know how much I... I need to know about the twins that they're introduced. Really, they're the first people we see the first shot. They're clasping <laughs> hands. I, it took me a while to realize they were siblings, but they, uh, they actually said they were going off of the ultimate universe interpretation of the characters. Oh, where they bang each other. Yeah, they're incestuous. Oh, okay. I didn't know what the relationship was, but I was very excited to see what Olsen was going to do in this. She's an actress that I've enjoyed in other movies. Scarlet Witch, I didn't know what that was. I don't think we ever get any better definition than Maria Hill later saying one's fast and one's weird. That's kind of how I take these guys. I I don't really know much else beyond their painful backstory, their grudge against Stark, and that they have these nebulous powers. Yeah, they seem to progress with their powers as it goes on. I didn't know she could throw fireballs until the very end of the movie. That was, yeah, she seemed to can do whatever she wants if she works hard enough. I guess the character equivalent I kept thinking of was Loki. And I think she's used in a similar way. Ultron is eventually going to see her as the manipulator, the sorceress who can actually break the team apart. Yeah, she does whatever the plot requires, which is kind of very similar to the comic books as well. I mean, she has hex powers. She's the Scarlet Witch. She could do whatever was pretty much needed. I wish that Whedon would have used his skills to kind of lock her down. Then again, he's used to writing witches. He wrote a lot of witches on Buffy that <laughs> did some similar type of whatever is needed. I'll cast a spell stuff. So she's super powerful compared to her brother, who's... Well, the Flash always gets the short end of the stick in the hero benefit, right? I mean, yeah. you, he's he's fast, and he's not even necessarily stronger because of it. <laughs> if he's kind of a whatever villain, it's kind of helpful to pair him with a whatever hero. I think Hawkeye is a good equivalency for what he's doing. The surprise for me is... That Hawkeye has so much in this movie? Well, <laughs> that's not a surprise as we get into the middle of this movie. Uh, but yes, I thought... The character that was Whedon's intro into the Avengers was its leader, Captain America. But Captain America and Thor in this movie, uh, they're definitely background characters. They are not really going to be given great storylines. I think what we see about Cap is he's always questioning where his home is. That when they finish up here, when we finally get back to Avengers Tower, which is the rechristened Stark Tower, you know, he doesn't really have a place to go. And, and so he talks about moving to Brooklyn. It's too expensive. That was his former home. Of course, he can't go back to live with Peggy. But it's not really a storyline that has beats. It's how he's feeling. And by the end of it, he's found a place for himself. But I didn't feel like that was a major storyline. And Thor... Is Chris Hemsworth in this movie? I mean, I think this is a glorified cameo. Yeah, he saves the day by taking a bath. Uh, we'll have to discuss that scene because I don't know what happens. <laughs> I, you will have to explain it to me. But here in the beginning, you know, he, he throws the hammer. He does a little bit of fighting, but I don't really even notice him here. He's a great presence. Here's what I can say about every character in this. Whedon is back writing the funny, and I love... 
Thor's move when he's calling the hammer to him and then just pulls his hand aside to hit the guy behind him at the end. And when he bangs on Captain America's shield so that it just knocks everybody down and blows up a tank with that reverberation that we saw when they were fighting each other in the forest in that first movie. I love the interplay, but that doesn't make them characters. I'll even say the same thing about Bruce Banner and Black Widow, is that they don't have an arc individually. They have an arc together. It's like they're written into this love story for the sake of, we can't have this many individual arcs, so let's just give them a joint arc and go this way with it. There's so much in this movie, and in the last movie, we all applauded Whedon's ability to give every character not just their moment, but their arc. They all had their story. Here, no, there's background players and there's lead singers. And really, I don't know if anyone gets the arc they deserve. The closest we come is Tony Stark, who's basically going to go through the exact same emotional journey we saw him in Iron Man 3. Well, that's the problem. We've seen Iron Man in three films. He doesn't need an arc. I was excited. Oh, Hawkeye's going to get an arc? Like, they're going to justify? He's the human element amongst these gods. I was excited about that arc. It never really goes anywhere. Yeah. And for the Whedon fans like me, we've seen him do this before. There was one character named Xander who was the bland white guy in Buffy surrounded by werewolves, witches, and slayers and vampires. And they even had this whole thing in season seven where he's like, well, I'm the one who sees everything. I'm the human one. I'm the one who humanizes them all. I'm like, oh, wow, they've turned Hawkeye into Xander. Who would have seen that coming? Yeah, let's explore Hawkeye. I I love the C and D list characters in these comic book universes and when they get a moment to shine. And Hawkeye is definitely in that category. But yeah, with the Avengers, that's what won me over with that film like every character it was a great hulk movie is a great black widow movie is a great thor movie like everyone seemed to matter here i think thor is around so tony only has three days to do some experiments with the staff before thor is going to take it back to asgard like i feel like that's the only reason thor is around to put this artificial time limit that's going to make tony hasten his progress with this new ai I knew I was kind of in trouble because I didn't really watch a lot of trailers for this movie. I tried to stay spoilers free. It's easy because I'm not that curious. But, uh, you know, one of the things I had heard from early footage that was released was that there was a moment where all the Avengers appeared to be dead. And they were, you know, the shield was broken and arrows and it was this graphic horrific moment to know that it was a dream sequence (laughs) you guys heard my nightmare on elm street podcast that pisses me off when we're expected to think that the best moments or the biggest teases that they're releasing at the beginning oh they never happened yes i agree with that and i know there were a lot of fans who were saying oh captain america's shield is broken but he's worthy so he'll pick up thor's hammer and save the day against ultron I agree that it's shitty to take something so dramatic and make it a dream sequence and to sell it in the trailer that way. Yes. But this movie, I'm going to give a slight pass to it for because it's this vision. It's not just a dream. It's not like the raptor speaking English in Jurassic Park 3, which has absolutely no point. This sets up the plot. It is the broken shield that is going to take Tony exactly back to where he was in Iron Man 3 and put him, he's basically, I read this and I can't unthink this. He's the Dennis Miller of the Marvel Universe. (laughs) 9-11 happened and he's just gone nuts now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, what's so weird is in Iron Man 2, he had that whole thing with the Senate where he's like, no, I, I could trust myself. And I was on his side. I'm like, yeah, just let's privatize peace. Let's have Tony Stark handle it. But here, yeah, I'm like, no, this isn't a good idea. This is alien technology, and you're just going to create a computer. I, I'm so against Stark this time. It's like, why are you doing this? There's nothing that says good idea about what you're doing here. I wonder if they're trying to... They know that they're setting up civil war. Come on. Well, maybe uh, at this point, after the previous movies, I don't know that they're setting up anything or if they're making it up as they go. (laughs) Good point. But beyond that, I wonder if the one thing they're setting up is to make us all hate Robert Downey Jr. So they don't have to give him those big paychecks anymore because they're really making him an unlikable character. But the replay of Iron Man 3 and I'm very cold on Iron Man 3. It. Which you recommended, though, right? I did, but I can't decide if it or Thor The Dark World is the weakest recommend of this series. Dark Dark World. World. Probably Dark World. But the fact that it starts off with him having a whole bunch of androids and a super powerful suit, a suit that can control itself, and he's going to be controlling them all by remote. And and then at the end, he's like, oh, I'm no longer Iron Man. It's play for play. It's an improvement on Iron Man 3, what we get here. But it's the same thing. Why did he blow up all those suits at the end of Iron Man 3 just to be in one here? Why did he blow up all the androids only to create the Iron Legion? It may seem inconsistent, but I do feel like eventually I realize it is the same character. That eventually his end game is to not be in the Avengers. He never really wanted to be a part of the team. And now that he knows that aliens are a potential threat, he doesn't want to be the one flying up there and fighting them. As crazy and undefined is more than crazy. I just don't really understand what Ultron is. You guys from comic book lore seem to be coming at it with more knowledge, but I feel better that he's tackling a solution to a problem that is going to give him an out, and that he's doing it with Bruce Banner, a character that I trust. I don't hate Tony this time. I I know it's going to go wrong. I know this movie's called Age of Ultron, and that Ultron's a killer robot, so uh, yes, obviously he's the mad scientist that's going to get the plot going, but I think that the intentions are pure. I do think it, it comes from both laziness and a desire to protect Earth. No, I don't doubt that he wants to protect Earth. It's just a bad idea. Like, let's experiment with alien technology. We only have three days to figure out how to get it to interface with my robots. This is supposed to be one of the smartest, him and Bruce Banner, like two of the smartest men in the entire universe. And this is their idea? That gives them the arrogance to make those kinds of mistakes. I mean, give yourself enough rope to hang yourself with. I mean, because they are so smart, well, we can handle this. I mean, that's the way that I take it. I love that Bruce Banner is the strongest Avenger, but the weakest willed. Anytime Tony tries to convince yes. him to do something, he does it. He is such a pussy in Banner form. It's hysterical. He'll probably hulk out if he tries to stick up for himself too much. But man, this scepter. Okay. Last movie, this scepter could shoot laser bolts. And if it touched your heart, it made you a willing slave. But now we find out that the crystal in the scepter is housing something powerful. And what that powerful thing is, according to Jarvis, is a computer program for artificial intelligence. Later, we're going to find out it's an infinity stone that's going to bring vision to life. But for the moment, how convenient is it that the scepter has a program for artificial intelligence? This, I'm not even going to analyze it. It's the problem I have to 
articulate it instead of nitpick is that this movie knows it's got so much to get through. It's going to issue logic for the sake of efficiency. Okay, we need something to bring Ultron to life. It's going to be in the Scepter. The Scepter is a program. That's good enough. Let's go with it. And then they have a montage of science fail. And then when they go off to a party, Jarvis and Ultron are left alone. And finally, even Jarvis apparently doesn't know how, but they're going to interface the Ultron program with the robot. It's all kinds of convenient and not set up and happening. I mean, I realize it's a half an hour into the film before this all happens, but yet it feels 10 minutes into the film because so much is flying by so fast. Yeah, there's a lot of things that I just don't understand, which I guess aren't really important, like these visual versions of Jarvis and Ultron, like they they Tony flips his little clear iPad and you see this 3D re- rendition and then they're going to talk to each other. I'm like, is this a hologram? Is this the actual program? Like, It's Iron Man 3. That, that was one of the reasons I was grateful to have gone back to that movie. Aldrich Killian had this brain mapping technology. He, he right. walked Pepper through the way his cerebral cortex works. I took it to mean that they just incorporated it. I mean, I do feel like, yes, if you rewatch some of those movies, there are bits and pieces of it that are rewarding here. That was a moment that I felt like, oh, good. I'm glad I did watch Iron Man 3, which, by the way, <laughs> you've uh, never said before or since. <laughs> uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't as bad as my mind had turned. Sometimes you walk away from something and it gets worse. And I think it had gotten worse in my mind than it actually was. It's definitely a muddled movie, but it wasn't the worst thing. Yeah, I saw that, too. But I was confused. I thought it was a holographic representation of a computer program and then when they start moving and talking to each other it confuses me i don't think they're saying there's a computer in the crystal i think what they're saying is there's a mind in there no they do say that literally Okay, what I heard and what I understood was there's a mind in there that speaks in code that is like a computer code. And so Jarvis is going to spend some time and the guys are going to spend some time trying to decode it. They're trying to integrate their system with it and it never works. What I don't understand and I feel like is important to understand is why does it finally integrate? And they'll never tell us. Okay. Because Ultron, he wants to? (laughs) Yeah, even Jarvis doesn't know. He's like, you're malfunctioning, you you seem crazy. When We get this moment, and I do like the moment. The screen goes dark, and for what feels like a good 15 seconds, there's just nothing. And all of a sudden, we're hearing James Spader's voice trying to come into being and trying to figure out what life is without a body. I feel like all this stuff is good, it's scary, it's frightening, but I don't understand... You know, in Frankenstein, a bolt of lightning hit the corpse and he was alive. Here, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I wish that he'd been playing possum until the humans left to go party. Yeah, why did they go party? Why is there a party in the Oh, Rebels! Is that a reason that I'm supposed to understand? Yes, because they're celebrating. Well, I think it's twofold. I think Stark is a master manipulator. Stuart, you said you don't mind Tony Stark in this film, but he is a master manipulator and he is really a bastard. He's like, I need some time with this staff. So Thor, you're sticking around for a party, right? I'll have it in three days. The party is merely Tony Stark's way of getting time alone with the scepter and nobody questions it. Thor goes off to see Jane off screen. I I do love that little conversation. Where's Jane? Where's Pepper? Well, 
They're expensive. Or they don't want to do it. <laughs> this party scene's actually my favorite scene of the movie. It's got so many cameos. This is how I feel like a rap party at Marvel Studios is. You got Don Cheadle showing up. You got Falcon there. Stan Lee's hanging out for no apparent reason. Yeah, he's a World War II vet. Yeah, it makes no sense that all of these people are in a room together, but they are. They're playing pool. They're playing Lift the Hammer, which is not a sex game. <laughs> it is to Scarlet because she's like, oh, that's something I don't need to prove. Uh, you know, that was one of my questions coming in was why doesn't she try to grip the hammer? This movie is going to tell us that. That is a weird thing. After seeing Cap 2, like, the, the big thing with Black Widow was like, are you ready for all your secrets to be revealed? We're not going to find out what those secrets are here. She'll tell us a few things from her background, but it's not like she's suspect of anything at this point. It's not like she's being hunted down by the government for whatever those secrets were. It's, yeah, she has a dark past, but she's always had that dark past. It's nothing new or, or secretive that was revealed here that would have leaked in those documents. Yeah, it is disappointing that they're not picking up on the strands of Winter Soldier. That cliffhanger was so dramatic. The destruction of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the leaking of information about everyone who's ever been a part of it. You really want to know what that means. We, we do get a Widow story here. I do like the kernels that we get, but it isn't enough to make be satisfied for what we were promised. Hey, if you really want that, go watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the TV show. It all matters. It's all connected. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for the next Captain America movie where I think they'll actually get back to it because the men that directed and, and wrote that project will actually be making that movie. And the man at the helm of this one was only peripherally involved in the design of that movie. So this is a detour. Assuming, again, they were building anything. Looking at it now, I view it as the comics. Let's sell this issue. Let's sell the next issue. I feel like Winter Soldier was building to the end of S.H.I.E.L.D. and had some great political storylines there. But I agree. The fact that this isn't the end of Phase 2, that they're ending Phase 2 with Ant-Man, the summer's later movie. And I'm like, I thought phases were defined as movies that come before Avengers. Like, yes. like you say, everything else is kind of lesser. It's the Avengers films that matter. And so I viewed them as demarcation. But now that I've seen this Avengers film, I'm agreeing. I'm like, all of the first films built to building the Avengers. All these second films, I don't feel like this is a detour from anything. I feel like we're just getting the next Marvel movie and the same as Ant-Man. It's just the next Marvel movie. And, you know, they have a high bar for quality. If you look at all the green arrows on our archive page, we've given them a lot of high marks. So looking forward to just the next fun movie isn't a bad thing, but... It's all connected. I'm not even feeling the movies are connected anymore. What is the difference between Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point? I, they have a, a crappy ship. I'll give them that. <laughs> they used to fly around in a Hela carrier, and now they got this much more modest little thing that flies to Tony's tower. Yeah, but at the same time, they, there's this Dr. Cho character that's introduced here at the beginning. I mean, they have machines. Hawkeye, he gets blasted at one point by a hydro cannon, and he's all burned up. They have machines that will replace like your cells and rebuild you. I mean, even Hawkeye now is immortal with the rest of these guys because of this technology. It is weird. Like, I thought they all relied on S.H.I.E.L.D., but no, it's all relying on Tony now for this tech. Yeah, there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. except for what is happening on TV that these Avengers don't know about. As far as they're concerned, there is no shield anymore. There is the Avengers, and it's basically the privatized security force of Tony Stark. He pays for everything. So that presumes 
they're all on his payroll. He gives them their health insurance that hires Dr. Cho. Yeah, and he even has a joke about that because she calls him the boss and and he makes the fact that, no, he's just the one that pays for it all. Captain America is the boss. But they shouldn't be surprised then that Tony keeps secrets from them, that Tony would go off and do this on his own. That's always been his character. He has always been above the law, whatever the law is. He will break it. So they really should not be surprised that he took three days to go play with the scepter. Now I ask you, Ultron, as he comes into cognition and decides who he is and what he's going to do, he comes to the conclusion very, very, very quickly. Too quickly. The Avengers are to be destroyed. Can anyone explain to me why? Haven't you read like Asimov or seen that Will Smith movie, I, Robot? Because that's what robots do. To save humanity, they must destroy it. Like, this seems like such a cliche. No, but I'm sure that those books justify that conclusion as a pragmatic, robotic, logical endgame for who they are as characters. We see Ultron replay greatest hits on tiny screens of Tony and Captain America and decide that, in his words, I'm going to paraphrase here, but basically that Avengers stunt the evolution of humankind. And therefore, if you want humankind to flourish, you have to get rid of all barriers. I do feel like, look, if if this was a a better paced film where we could actually explore the ideas that it wants to posit – Yeah, Tony has machines that are going to replace all your cells and fix you up, could probably cure cancer, cure diabetes, cure anything, all this tech, and is the world any better off for it? I could kind of see what Ultron's saying, like, Tony has kept all this stuff to himself, he hasn't solved world hunger, so maybe the Avengers, they want to save humanity, they want the glory, but they're not helping them evolve into something better by sharing what they have. Listen, Joss Whedon's first cut of this movie was about 40 minutes longer. I didn't need a big party scene at the beginning here. There's stuff you could have cut. It's my favorite scene of the movie, so I do need that, yes. I actually like the group dynamic scenes best. But his goal when he started this was to make a shorter, leaner Avengers movie. I bet there are cuts that explain this and give Thor a reason for even being on screen. But this, it's just Ultron's evil. We knew from the trailers he was evil. So let's cut to the chase. Literally, Ultron is just going to walk in and be evil. I thought there was going to be something about... Because... They made such a big deal in the trailers about him being like puppets tangled in strings. I thought this was actually going to be, I mean, this is owned by Disney. Yeah, he downloaded Pinocchio as the first thing he saw as the problem. Yeah, he gets on the internet. The first thing he does is pirates the original There Is No Strings On Me. It actually plays. (laughs) I thought we were going to see a remake of Pinocchio here. I thought he wanted to be a real boy. He kind of does. He looks really creepy and has moving lips for reasons I don't know. I thought he was going to try to become a more and more human robot and like he was jealous of the Avengers or something, but it's not explained. It's evil for evil's sake. And I'm not even sure why he wants the Avengers dead. I get later on, he kind of wants all humanity dead, but not really. If they can survive, then go ahead and survive. But yeah, he thinks that the humans need to fight for themselves. They need to evolve. It's ultimate Darwinism, survival of the fittest, and you guys are allowing the weak to survive. So let's take out the Avengers and then cause a cataclysm that may kill everyone. And if so, well, then they deserve it. But if it doesn't kill everyone, then the strong have survived. 
I can't believe that's the plot. I cannot believe that Joss Whedon sat for three years designing this movie and said, I'm just going to have a robot that hates people and creates a media. <laughs> this does not stand. This this Ultron character getting James Spader to do the voice, you are going to craft a villain that is going to be more complex than that. I cannot understand how he wakes up, he's evil, and he just tries to kill the good guys. And yet, that's what we have. Yeah, that's unforgivable. There's a movie out right now called Ex Machina that deals with this concept of the moment where computers become intelligent enough to be thought of as equals to humans. There are people that want to explore these ideas. There are good movies there out there about this. Whedon, I would think, would be one of those directors and writers to tell an interesting version of that story. But this is as dumb as anything that predates the Marvel movie universe. I mean, this is the kind of bad plotting that you would expect in a 90s superhero movie. What's weird for me is Ultron, when he first appears, he uses... That Iron Legion character that had like that acid thrown in his face and it's all distorted. I really thought when I first saw that at the beginning in Sokovia, like, oh, that is going to be why Ultron ends up going bad is that humans don't appreciate what these robots have done. It's not even like on the basic level of why I'm going to go evil. No, it's we're going to go evil because this is a comic book movie. I do love the line, Ultron's in the Internet. Like that is a line that I did laugh out loud because it's so stupid and amazing at the same time, but that this is the plot that it's just bad robot going to destroy the world. Well, I think I've said this with every Marvel film except Winter Soldier. Marvel does villains awful. I have not had a villain I've liked yet except Hydra taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. Loki. Loki, yeah. I liked him when he was in Avengers, not when he first showed up, though, in Thor. Yes, but he was good in Avengers. He is the bar that I'm measuring Ultron against because we basically have the same kind of thing where you have a leader of a faceless army. And I love James Spader. I watch TV. I've seen a couple episodes of Blacklist. I saw every episode of Boston Legal. I saw him in the practice. James Spader does smarm so well. And I've liked him since the 80s. I was excited to see him reteam for less than zero co-star Robert Downey Jr. for this movie. And I'm not sure he was the right casting choice. What? I'm not sure that he plays Maniacal Robot right. I don't get Ultron as smarmy. No, if he is the child of Iron Man of Tony Stark, I do get it in that sense. Yes. Okay, but it, that's barely played within here either. It's mentioned, like everything else that's important, there's a line that says it. No, it's there. I think it's, well, that's why it's great casting. It's because I realized when they're telling jokes, he beats him to a joke about breaking omelets a second faster, and you realize, oh, that's right. They do do the same thing. If you were a casting director, you would waffle as to whether you'd use Robert or James in the part. They are both these kinds of irascible 80s-era brat packers that have turned into obnoxious yuppies. Yeah, but Spader always comes off... And admittedly, so should Ultron, but more evil. I would think that there isn't a whole lot of fighting. James Spader could not have played Tony Stark in Iron Man in 2008. Well, not without a wig. For a multitude of reasons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd have to go to the gym a few more times a year. Yeah, I like James Spader. I don't like James Spader as Ultron. I don't like Ultron. And it's not like i uh, he's someone I love to hate. His plotting is too abrupt, and his means are too nonsensical. I wish I knew why he hated the Avengers. I wish I knew why he wanted vibranium, why he wanted to raise an 
city why 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 i I have an easy fix too i think it's here i think it could have been elucidated very easily very quickly as you pointed out in iron man 3 tony stark likes to destroy things he has no problem building 50 robots and then watching them all blow up he is reckless with technology if you were made of that technology and saw him abusing it in such a way you might hate him I don't know why you'd hate all the Avengers, but you would hate Tony Stark for having these servant puppets that he can just break and throw away without any compassion for. I mean, keep in mind, when these Legion do come back from the fighting, they have their own entrance. They have like a servant's entrance. I think we're supposed to think, occasionally, when the movie can remember to tell us that Tony Stark is very bad to his toys. And I feel like this is where you bring in Iron Man 3. Forget Iron Man 3. Don't do that movie. You do it here. I mean, Ultron's in the internet. He's taking over technology. This is where Iron Man has to be stripped down from his suit. There should be no way that there's any Iron Man suit that hasn't had the Ultron interface infect it. Like, this is where he should have to build his own suit. Hawkeye's going to remind him that they're all human. This should be part of that storyline. It shouldn't be Iron Man still doing things, still has a suit, still is able to get into a Hulkbuster and call down Veronica from a satellite. Like, consequence-free. There, I could see why Tony is the way he is, because his actions have no consequences on him. Yeah, I agree. It would be nice to see him confronted by his suit. That's basically the story. Is basically Iron Man has to fight the suit that he made. And that's interesting. And that the suit is being played by a 80s Brat Pack equal with an equal good comic timing. I think that's good. I'm going to give the movie some compliments here. I do like Ultron. I, I think he looks scary. I do like that he's taking on Tony. I just... His evil comes too quickly, inexplicably, and ultimately his plan is weak. But in the start of this movie, I do feel like he is going to be a fearsome foe indeed. It might have helped this party scene if he had they had robot servants, if that there were literal servants serving drinks to these people, and that's what actually attacked them. That I could maybe really understand the theme of Tony is bad to robotics. Yeah, I don't know that I'd feel too sympathetic. If my iPhone decided to attack me, I'd put it down. I, I'm not sure that's really what they're going for or not. And the sad thing is, I do think Ultron's one of the best villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I just feel he's ill-motivated and ill-defined. He's more charismatic than most of the villains have been. I'll, I do like Spader for that. I, yeah. It, it's weird to see this giant, evil Terminator-looking robot making these little quips, but I'm glad he is. It's at least entertaining. Yeah, and... I like that he's introduced, he's the point of Act 1, he's introduced at the start of Act 2, as compared to so many of these villains that we've gotten who are introduced in the final act, like Ironmonger or Abomination, you know, compared to them, he's an ace. But while I'm not sure of his motivations, I kind of like the way the story plays out, because he goes to the castle that they stormed at the beginning and it turns out that has not been locked down nato has taken von strucker as a prisoner but they haven't locked down his headquarters they haven't stripped it of everything they were experimenting on this is a big gimme for me and it turns out there's a robotics plant that's how ultron made his new body it was von strucker's design yes and tony saw it 
Yeah, I mean, I know that Strucker said something about, well, let's give them weapons so that they won't find out what we're really doing. But Tony found out what they were really doing. I guess the point is he didn't tell NATO that factions are not telling one another. Oh, wait, I'm not sure that that's what they're really doing. I mean, when he says they're giving them the weapons, I think he's giving them the robots. He's going to give them the Chitauri stuff. Is it what they're really doing experimenting on humans? They were going to try to hide Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver? Or at the very end of this movie, Thanos shows up and says, I'll do it myself. Are they working for Thanos? I have no idea. But I think these robots, they were fine with losing. Okay. I I don't know. All I know is creepiest scene in the movie is when you see Ultron leave his body at the party and go to those robots in the castle singing that song. It's the one moment where I feel like the Disney synergy worked out well for Marvel. I'm like, yeah, this song is really scary. Uh, as James Bader is singing it, and suddenly one killer robot has become several lying on slabs. I think James Bader could sing Walking on Sunshine and make it creepy, though, so... (laughs) But yes, recruiting the twins, we had to get back to them. They seem to make logical human allies. They hate Stark as much as he does. The problem I'm having, of course, is that while you may hate Stark, I don't know why you'd hate Avengers unless you understood all the Avengers answered to Stark, which he knows the opposite. He knows that that they don't get along, that they're easily turned against their boss. He also has that same kind of redundant plot. We can't just kill the Avengers. No, we have to discredit the Avengers. We have to make the people turn against the Avengers in order for our victory to happen, not just kill them right outright, which then makes his attacking of them even more ludicrous. Yeah, like so many things we're going to be told, like Ultron's in the internet. We never see what that means. Ultron's trying to get the codes to launch the missiles. We never see that actually happening. We don't even see Ultron frustrated that he can't launch all the atomic missiles. Yes, or I got to discredit the Avengers. Like, we are told so much, but even when we'll get to the Hulk, I don't even feel he's been discredited, except we're told a few lines. We never are shown anything because this script was written to just stuff so much in. It's not a well-written script to actually let us explore any idea. Yeah, or maybe it was a decent script, but it's been condensed down in a finished film that has cut out all of the connective tissue. That's what I really feel like, is there are a lot of good ideas here. There's a lot of things I'm sinking my teeth into. And in the start of this movie, we're being harsh on it because we're mad that they don't pay out. But I feel like there's a lot of good threads to follow at this beginning of this movie. You want to be tangled in the strings, unlike Ultron in this film. Yeah. I mean, when he shows up in this church uh, and talks about the geometry of faith and all that. I'm, these are good speeches. He's a good villain. He turns to these kids and he's just like, well, I, I love the fact that he looks at Quicksilver. And he's like, eh, I don't have much use for you, really, but you'll be around. <laughs> but you, you, Scarlet Witch, you can actually destroy them from the inside. Just like Loki. I think we're going to get back to her infiltrating the team and using her mind to, yeah, give us the Hulk. I think that that's what happens in South Africa is that is if she can do what Loki does and set the Hulk free, on the team that that will be its undoing. Yeah, and I want to say that I'm being hard on the script. I feel deservedly so. But when watching this movie, I'm frustrated because I'm trying to think through why things are happening. But man, it is happening at such a pace that I'm enjoying. And I like the team dynamic. We very rarely, and I think only Thor really, gets a scene alone. Other than that, we're seeing the team 
play well together and they're all analyzing it together. I think it's a little much that when they find out Stark created, as they call it, a murder bot, Thor immediately physically attacks him. It doesn't look like Scarlet Witch needs to do too much to tear these guys apart if Thor's ready to strangle his closest ally at the drop of a hat. But that they're able to dig through paper files and find that they're going to Ulysses Claw, played by Andy Serkis. Yeah, they're going to set up the Black Panther movie. When does that one come out? Is that next year? Oh, is that it? Yeah, Wakanda and Claw, the reason he loses his arm here. This is all to set up Black Panther. I knew it had to be a setup for something. I couldn't figure out what it was. I Circus kind of looks like he's cosplaying as the Punisher and not pulling it off. <laughs> but I, I like him here. I wish he had something to do in this movie. It is disappointing to find out that it's just set up for another movie that he's... The black market dealer for all the remaining vibranium, the metal that makes the shield of Captain America, it's sitting in vials in his shipyard and that he sells it and anything else that he can get his hands on to anyone with the right price. I thought in Captain America, they said like when they made that shield, that was all the vibranium that existed in the world. And now they're going to have enough to make a huge core of it. Yeah, they're realizing that Wakanda is pumping it out. They didn't know that until this movie. And yes, I think that is going to be set up for the Black Panther film. I don't know if Andy Serkis will be in the Black Panther film or not. My guess is yes. He's got the name of a Black Panther villain, so I'm guessing yes. And he lost his arm like that villain had. So you don't get Andy Serkis just for this, I think. However... They did say they were developing a new motion capture technology for this movie, and they originally hired Andy Serkis as a consultant (laughs) on that technology. Yeah, he had a credit. I I sat through all those long credits and saw him there. So he got two paychecks for this film. Yeah, so maybe he was just around and they decided to have him act. I don't know quite what happened. Maybe they're like, they wanted the best mocap actor in the world, so they lured him with a technology job. But it's weird to see him not play mocap. I haven't seen that since 13 going on 30, that he's just a human. The prestige. (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. You haven't enjoyed him since 13 on 30. Exactly. So... (laughs) He has the vibranium. I don't know why Ultron doesn't just go to Wakanda, though. If there's more in Wakanda, just go to the source. Why are you dealing with this arms dealer? And why is an arms dealer stealing vials of metal? Oh, well. Let's not ask too many why questions. This movie is telling us it's not going to do that. What what doesn't really make sense? The the overriding thing is that if Ultron is so powerful, if he can bust in and push this guy around, uh, he chooses to make him rich and buy the thing outright rather than just stealing it. That's a surprise. I mean, he has the might to just go ahead and steal all the metal and leave this guy with nothing. Instead, he chooses to make him as rich as Tony Stark, or at least that's what I think we see when he manipulates the market and pays the guy for the vibranium. I did love that line. Like He's like, it's in one of your dummy accounts. Finance is weird. But yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> it seems like the only purpose to pay off Ulysses here is so Ultron could say a line that Tony had said to you, Ulysses. Keep your friends rich and your enemies rich, then sit back and find out who's who. I like that line. That's, again, we're supposed to remember this is Tony's child. One of the half themes of this movie, I'm not sure it has any real strong themes that run throughout, but one of the things we hear a lot about are parents and children. And yes, Tony's 
child, the or rather the child of Iron Man, is here. He's got a little more in his of his dad in him than he'd like to think. I mean, that's why Ulysses loses his arm as he makes that comparison between Ultron and Iron Man. But we get then another spectacular fight. I cannot flaw this film, its fights, because they knew that he was going to be on the ship with Ulysses. All the Avengers show up, and this is where Scarlet Witch goes nuts. After a little bit of a fight, the Scarlet Witch gets in everyone's head. Except Hawkeye's. That that was one of my favorite lines. She goes after Hawkeye. He takes out an electric arrow, sticks it on her forehead, and he's like, no, nah, I've already done the mind control thing. This movie, I just kind of think Whedon feels Hawkeye's never gotten his due. He's been in two Avengers films so far, Thor where he cameoed, and then the first Avengers, where he was under mind control for most of it. This is Hawkeye's first real chance to shine, and he does so with aplomb. I love that, where he just sticks that arrow in her head. But all these visions, you see Cap dancing after World War II, you see Thor at some revels in Asgard with Heimdall, who's gone blind, and you see Black Widow learning ballet, and it's all intercut in such a weird way that it really was on the second viewing that helped me understand what was what. Yeah, I thought we were supposed to be getting nightmares, like Tony seeing the Avengers dead because of this alien attack. Okay, Thor's a nightmare. He gets struck by lightning and it kills everyone in Asgard. But with Black Widow, and especially Captain America, Black Widows will be explained to us. That was the process she went through when she's being trained. But Captain America is what? You, you can't go home again? And that makes him sad? It never really seems to have an effect on him. No, the people at the party are all dead. They're all bleeding from gunshot wounds and all of that. that- and he's dealt with that, though. You can manage your fear, but you never get rid of your fear. And I think that's what we're seeing. No, no. I think his fear is having to live a normal life. I think that it all comes down to something Stark says later in the movie is, isn't why we fight so that we can stop fighting. And Captain America, his nightmare, his big fear, is that he has to stop fighting. It really shows a darker side of Captain America. Later on, Tony also says, I don't trust a man without a dark side. I think it's a dark side that Captain America fights because that's what he knows how to do. One we never see, though, in this movie, which was frustrating for me, when he says, you haven't seen my dark side, okay, that's going to come out in the climax. No, we never find out, we never see his dark side in this film. I think we're seeing it here. He wouldn't know what to do if he'd won the war. I mean, these people around him bleeding. Not everyone's bleeding. I wasn't even sure if they were bleeding or not. I see somebody on the ground. Did they spill wine? They're laughing as they're wiping. (laughs) No, they were bleeding. (laughs) Are you sure? Not everyone is bleeding. This is a USO party at the Overlook Hotel. I mean, this is a shining moment. (laughs) It is meant to be the ghosts are having fun, and it's great until you realize they're ghosts. And there's also a little bit of a the ring moment when Scarlet Witch walks backwards and the door slams shut. It was like a glimpse of horror that I would have loved this movie to get into and it doesn't. Yeah, I would have liked these Scarlet Witch moments to seem like a witch. I mean, she's at least called a witch by Tony at one point, but I never feel like she is that threatening. I would have loved a horror element with her. It was a surprise to see Julie Delpy there. The last person you'd ever think would make a Marvel movie. But Well, now we can reveal. This is why we did the Before Sunrise series. Listeners, it's it's all connected. (laughs) It wasn't why I signed on to do it. And I, I just can't imagine 
imagine her ever saying, oh, yes, I would love to do one of those movies. She's just, she's too brittle in French. But uh, no, here she is as the cruel administrator that basically, yeah, we, I think we can say it now. I mean, we see images of children with no mouths. We see symbolism of widow being barren. But yeah, in order to become an assassin, not only did she have to kill and do ballet and do lots of grueling hours training, but they will make her incapable of having children. And that's the first tease uh, we see here in these flashbacks. And Thor, what what is Thor seeing? I still don't know. I think he's seeing a trailer for Thor 3 Ragnarok. If anyone can explain why Thor is in this movie, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> to bathe. <laughs> we'll get there. I don't feel like I understand anything that Thor does in this movie. Although I admit, yes, he has some of the funniest bits. His lines where he's reveling about Hulk's uh, killings and then has the backtrack and say it was all gout and pulled deltoids. Funny. The hammer bit is funny. I mean, yeah, he's funnier here. He's got charm. But as a character that is going to do something and contribute to this together mentality... I don't get it. And yeah, his vision here is the weakest. Who you should have shown us, the one that is most important that the witch engage with, is her and Bruce. You know, they leave Bruce in the ship, and he just waits to find out whether it's a code green or not. She's going to be the reason it becomes a code green. And so I feel like we needed to see his nightmare. What set off his rage? What did she do? Because that's going to be a rivalry. When it's discussed about her joining the team later in the movie, he's the one saying, not with her. I don't trust her. You ruined my rep. Yeah, he he threatens to kill her. He like grabs her and says, just make me angry. What she does is she shows the world who he feels he really is. That who he really is is this uncontrollable rage monster that isn't a hero, but that will just destroy without conscience. And I guess that's why he hates her is, is because she showed the world that. She made him do that where he had it under control. But I would have liked to have seen in his mind, rather than this Asgard or, or you know, World War II party thing, I feel like that turn was the most essential and it's, they cut away from it. They feel like we've already done three characters with visions. We can't do another one. So it's just Hulk smash. But it's a great Hulk smash. It's an incredible thing. It's the thing I looked forward to most from the trailers was seeing the Hulk go nuts. I mean, like Jacob said in our Avengers podcast, we like to see heroes fight heroes. And this is the way when Hulk has gone rampaging after seemingly having control at the end of Avengers, Scarlet Witch makes him lose control. His nightmare is that he'll kill somebody. So here the Hulk is completely out of control and Tony Stark has to call in Veronica. Now, I didn't get the relevance of that name. Do either of you get why this is Veronica? I'm guessing it's an Archie's joke. <laughs> I was just going to say It that. is. The thing Banner wants most, Betty. What's uh, the opposite of Betty? Veronica. Yeah. And later he's going to get a system, after he's lost Jarvis, he gets a system called Friday. I guess that's in reference to his girl. Yeah. yeah. People get new toys in this movie. Captain America has bracelets that allow him to magnetize the shield. There's, there's new gadgetry, and Hulkbuster is obviously the biggest enhancement anybody gets. But it's an incredible suit. I love this fight. And there's a couple things that happen here that I like. The first, Stark, despite being a complete ass, is very concerned about casualties. He is scanning buildings and saving people. I almost feel this movie is an overreaction to how people talked about Man of Steel and the fact that everybody was possibly dying in those cities. This entire movie is just 
filled with almost G.I. Joe-esque parachuting from danger. <laughs> hey, I'm going to praise this film because I do feel like it, it was a reaction to Man of Steel, especially when you get to that climax where the goal is to save every human being, to not have any casualties, even though we're seeing basically a terraformer <laughs> machine going off. Like, I, And I'm going to praise it for that. I do feel like, yes, if these heroes are going to be heroic, it's not just to stop the bad guy, but it's to show humanity that they're not a danger, especially this film. They got to prove they're not dangerous to humanity. I wish we saw humanity turning on the Avengers more. I feel like that was an important thread that never gets woven in anything significant. Eh, it's there. I mean, at the end of this. Yeah, it kind of. At the end of this fight, we get a slow motion reaction to people that are not entertained and do not feel rescued. They are covered in ash. They are screaming. They are crying. They are standing in rubble. Yeah, And we're told world leaders are kind of maybe thinking about arresting Bruce Banner. Like that, that is the extent. It's the internet. You know, they, people have already declared him guilty, but the law is so much slower than that. You know, in the court of public opinion, the Avengers are out. And now we just have to wait for, yes, our legislature to catch up. And I kind of get the impression Hulk may have killed somebody in this. Hulk went nuts. And while the Avengers are all about protecting people, the Hulk is doing quite a bit of rampaging before Tony shows up in that giant suit. It's a suit inside of a suit. It's very... <laughs> yes, I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, and I like that it rebuilds itself. I, I love the scene. Yeah, the arm. He gets that rebuilt arm and it becomes like a handcuff that sucks in the Hulk's arm so he can't get away and they kind of pull each other around. I did like the creativity they came up with these fights. The, the, whatever the faults with this story, they don't lack creativity most of the time when they're coming up with a battle. And the lines... Tony Stark's best lines are all in this fight. He's punching Hulk in the face. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yes. And then Hulk spits out a tooth and he's just like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's great stuff here. The other thing I'm going to credit this for, my problem with the Avengers, the more I've rewatched it, and I've seen that movie a lot now, every hero on hero fight ends in a stalemate because nobody wants their hero to lose. Hulk loses this. Admittedly, we want him to lose because he's the bad guy in this situation, but the way he sucker punched Thor at the end of Avengers, Iron Man wins with a sucker punch of Hulk. Which I don't totally buy, but I'll, I'll buy it enough to get the story to move on. And move on it does. I got to say, I took one of those, you know how the internet is littered with those, take this poll and find out which Spice Girl you are or which, you know. <laughs> yes. BuzzFeed. Yeah. You spend a lot of time on BuzzFeed, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, let's find out which Avenger I am. I, I thought for sure I was Nick Fury. I was like, I'm Nick Fury. I'm that pragmatic, cool guy in the background. I'm Maria Hill guy. <laughs> <laughs> who has spent this movie picking glass out of her feet. I think that's the only thing she did. I forgot that at the end of Captain America, she came to work. She left S.H.I.E.L.D. to go to work for Stark. She's been here largely as a functional character. She's the one that tells them to go underground, that there's nothing that they can do except hide at this point. So that's what they do. They go to the safe house. And this is where we get Joss Whedon's discussion on how much he'd like to break free from his work habits at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> or how much we'd never realized Hawkeye was a character? Yeah. But I think that's the point. We don't think about the simple guy. We're so fascinated by the gods and, you know, superheroes that we just, we don't take to consider the everyday people that work and make this happen. And that's Hawkeye, right? He's, there's nothing special about him. He makes this happen? What does Hawkeye do? I mean, honestly, there's a whole lot of talk in this between Hawkeye and his wife, ER's Linda Cardellini. I, 
like Linda Cardellini. She was great in Grandma's Boy. But strange to ever think of her appearing in an Avengers film. Come on. I love the line. Again, another laugh out loud moment. I totally support your avenging. <laughs> like that. Some of these lines, man. But yeah, she's like, it's your job to make sure this team is a team. I love that idea. I want Hawkeye, yes, the underdog, to be the glue to this team. It never pays off. Maybe if his character arc was to help Scarlet Witch be a member of the team, they have a great little moment at the climax. It was. You just answered your own complaint. That's what he does. He creates the new team because... The team he's going to leave by the end. The, our main, the people we like are going to leave this Avengers. Yes. And so he's going to have to recruit new people. And yes, he's the one to give the big pep talk to Scarlet Witch, the character that's the biggest holdout on becoming part of the team. But yet she doesn't single-handedly save the day either. And... I agree. I think I needed to see more. I do like the line earlier when Black Widow says he's the glue that holds the team together, trying to convince him he belongs here. I like that idea. I wish, though, if you're going to do this, if you're going to give us a 20 minute Hawkeye's family scene and have him talk about home repairs and all this, he needs to be the hero of the movie. All the Avengers go down. The shield breaks like we see in the vision and Hawkeye has to do something to save the day. I thought that's where this was going. Giving Scarlet Witch a pep talk is not enough. I grant you that. But again, we're jumping ahead and talking about our problems with the conclusion. I'll go ahead and say it. The conclusion of this movie sucks. No, no. I'm talking about my problems with spending 20 minutes on Hawkeye's farm because it doesn't pay off. Yes. The caveat was that if he paid out in the end, this would be worth it. And and when we're in this moment, I kind of like that it's a break. I mean, I feel like Hawkeye is this movie's Agent Coulson. He's the normal guy that has been in the background keeping it all together and that, yes, they're telling us that by the end of this, by him going on one more mission, he is going to do something to win this battle and to free the Avengers and, and, and all from what they've been oppressed by. That Yeah, he's the glue holding it together. It's a rewrite because that isn't really the case. But since Agent Coulson is not in this movie and there would be no room for him if they chose to put him there, this is the character that Joss Whedon has chosen to identify as his own, his in to the movie. And I get it. I mean, I'm not going to speculate too much about his personal life. I've read the tabloids. I know that this he's had some reported troubles with his relationship and balancing work with home life and stability, that he's stepping away from this franchise. I feel like we spend this much time on this conflict because it's where his head is at in spending three years on Marvel properties. And I mean, it's nice to have human moments. It's nice to have Natasha and Bruce talk about a life together. It's nice to see she's aunt to these kids. Yeah, they they are naming their child. Mrs. Hawkeye is pregnant with a third and they're going to name her Natalie. It is very sweet and a nice way to rewrite since they had played up Hawkeye and Black Widow being in love. Oh, no, they're like siblings. Yeah, he's really faithful to his wife on his spy missions. Siblings just like Pietro and Wanda, at least in the Ultimate universe. <laughs> I do like this, Stuart, in that this is a down scene. We haven't had one since the party scene. There's been a lot of action. This is where the movie works best for me is when these heroes are talking it out, other than Black Widow's just ham-fisted come-ons to Bruce Banner. When he says you're being too hard on yourself and she says that's your job, that's a line out of a porno, not a line out of an Avengers film. 
<laughs> I thought there's a lot of lines between them out of a porno, but maybe that's just me. She is unsubtle. She should be better at the art of seduction if she was trained for that. I do not get this. Uh, part of me wonders if this is the plot they gave her because she turned up pregnant and couldn't film half her scenes. The actress. Huh. Well, you, you're onto something there. I didn't realize that. She's pregnant in this movie. Yeah, she announced it just as they started filming. They had to readjust a lot of filming to get all her scenes done up front before she started showing. And well, there you go. I think you've just answered the, the reason exactly it. That, that's exactly why she is taking a backseat here. That said, I still feel like she's one of my favorites. I still feel like when she's on screen, I, I like what she's doing with Ruffalo. I, it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what the previous movies told me, but I do think that there's some of the, genuine moments of this movie when they're flirting at the bar and all of that cap is charmed i'm charmed yeah my favorite parts about this film are these human moments the stuff with hawkeye the stuff between black widow and bruce banner like i wish look i don't want to romance a, a whole film like that but i wish there was more of these character moments i wish this script could be written in such a way where we didn't need 17 new characters and 16 battle scenes where it could feel like an actual story where i cared about these characters because i'm never going to get the bruce banner black widow romance movie that's never coming out let's really hope i mean i saw the snl skit but <laughs> everything that made me love black widow in the first avengers and still love her in the winter soldier is kind of gone here i just do not like black widow in this film again and it's because i mean in the last film her strength actually came from perversion of female stereotypes like her love for barton being used to pull information out of loki but in this film she is back in those stereotypes i mean what a step backwards that her role in this film is to make goo goo eyes with bruce banner and then be captured kept in a cell as a damsel in distress what happened to her it's a step backwards and I don't buy any reasoning. I mean, the fact that they're both monsters, I like that they try it. I really like that they try to line up that she is as big a monster as the Hulk. But I think we needed something to build up to this because the fact that it starts with her giving him a drink and basically saying, I've fallen for you in that first scene, the fact that he doesn't seem interested in her at all, the fact that he says he physically can't have children. Is this a callback to that Incredible Hulk movie where Norton can't have sex? <laughs> yes. Is that what he's saying? That's how I took it. Okay, I wasn't sure. Or, or, or that his gamma radiation would be passed on through his sperm. I mean... I honestly just thought maybe the radiation sterilized him. <laughs> I, I'm, my mind's all over the place on trying to figure out this relationship, so... And ambiguity can sometimes be a good thing. This is a movie meant for all audiences. I don't think we need to get into... The, yeah, I took an eight-year-old to this, so I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they even go into the sex lies of superheroes is pretty ballsy here. I mean, the fact... That that it's given a moment is a a welcome surprise for me. It's I imagine very weird for people that would prefer another action scene, but they haven't been sparse on action here. I mean, those that have come for battles, they've gotten them. I've never been as keyed into the battles as you guys. So to have these moments, they're fun. I'm not arguing against having moments like these. I'm not saying I'm tedious because nobody's fighting. Don't get that from what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this relationship as acted by these actors who I have liked in other stuff isn't playing for me. I'm loving the Cap-Tony tension during the 
outside woodcutting scene where they're fighting about their philosophies on peacekeeping. I'm liking the Hawkeye Linda Cardellini scenes, even though I wish they had better payoff. But specifically, anytime there's the romance between Black Widow and Bruce Banner, it just isn't playing for me for some reason. I I blame the script more than the actors. Uh, no problem with the, with any of these relationships. I was happy to see Fury come back even. I had forgotten it. I had figured at this point in the movie, not seeing him in any of the advertisements, he wasn't going to come back. That Maria Hill was the only tie to S.H.I.E.L.D. we were going to get. So when Tony's asked to go into the barn and fix the tractor, it's a very welcome surprise to see him creep out and say, don't make it come alive. (laughs) And he got a new eye patch. He burned it up in Winter Soldier. He actually... They somehow afforded Sam Jackson for like half an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and he just wore sunglasses the whole time. So I, I thought he was out of eye patches. He went back to the eye patch store. I did think after Winter Soldier, he went deeper undercover, but apparently just went to Hawkeye's barn. But it was nice to see him here as Thor flies off to do something. We do get a character I like more than Thor. Thor's best moment is that takeoff, though. I, when he's <laughs> swinging the hammer and blasts off, that's cool. Uh, yeah. What he does afterwards, someone walk me through it. Selvig, he has to go back to London to get Selvig. Yeah, he, Skarsgård shows up here. I, I'm shocked. To go to a place he knows about this already, and he had a vision in which is controlling of his mind that made him realize confronting some kind of oracle in some spring somewhere is going to help clarify a vision of a gem that he had briefly. This pool can enhance this vision if he is worthy enough not being, it can kill you as well or, or something. Yeah, kind of. This, I have to feel, is some of the cutscenes. Much like yes. when we saw Harry Dean Stanton in the first Avengers film and you're like, why did you get Harry Dean Stanton for this? Why did you bring back Stellan Skarsgård just to go, you're not looking quite that inconspicuous, and then to watch Thor bathe in a very weird scene. It's there, <laughs> This has to be some of the cut stuff, but it is now, at this point, got the Iron Man 2 problem. I think this movie is spending so much time setting up Phase 3 that it's hurting Phase 2. We have Thor leaving the farm, quite literally, in order to go and have a vision of a trailer of Part 3. He basically saw an end credit scene of Infinity Gems, and he's like, oh shit. And I thought we got enough about the Infinity Gems and Guardians of the Galaxy. There, you don't need to do that again here. Lots of people saw Guardians. They know about the gems. No, but they they actually have to do it here because of what they're building towards. While all of this is going on in the farm, keep in mind, in South Korea, Ultron has confronted the doctor with that technology that can regrow, you know, damaged cells and says, take my vibranium, build me a body that can, you know, be even cooler. I don't know why he needs to be real. Yeah. He wants to be a human, but he wants to destroy the humans. This I don't get. Uh -uh. Like that human body is going to stand up to. It's something about evolution. He wants to evolve. He wants humans to evolve. I think he wants his new species, his beautiful body to be his evolution and the new dominant species on Earth that will be peace because it's all his AI. 
So that's I'm stretching, but he talks a lot about evolution. Yeah. When he makes all his robots, he says the Avengers are chaos and my robots, we all work together in harmony and that's the way it should be. Just just make robot. I don't understand why he wants to combine flesh with awesome robot suits. No, Arnie's right. It is evolution. He sees that as taking two things that are lesser by combining them, they become something greater. They evolve in that way. And that must be what he's talking about with if humans can't adapt, they'll die. If they can't become hybrids, then they'll be left behind. But I'm not sure how anything he's planning in the end is going to turn the human race into hybrids. The only hybrid is being cooked up in this cradle. Yeah, he's not offering robot implants for humans. It's like, hey, become half robot or you're going to die from one of my sinister plots. It's I'm going to make this one suit for me, download my brain into it. And then what? Like, I don't understand this. He says that the only life left on Earth after this attack will be all him, all his robots, whether he's maybe king robot because he's part flesh and all of the others are subservient because they're just metal. Okay, we can agree none of us understand this. Again, Ultron is ill-defined. One thing that Joss Whedon has said, which could go into this, is Ultron is insane. He is just crazy. He does not follow logical methods. That's not great because it's, and it's not set up. Why do you have a crazy robot? But that's the best I can give it. Yeah, Marvel is better than that. Marvel does not have villains that are just evil for evil's sake. They don't ever do that, <laughs> except for that dwarf elf, that wanted elf. to turn off the lights. <laughs> I, I can't think of them ever. Oh, whatever. Yes. Who wanted the vision in this movie? Because it feels like this is forced to get the vision. Is this something we didn't want it? Did Disney or Marvel want the vision? Who wanted the vision? Because I don't. I think it's Whedon. Because I went back, like I said, and read the first Ultron stories. And let me give a little bit of comic history here as to Ultron and Vision. We've kind of skipped over that. I would have thought, and I saw this like on Saturday morning cartoons, the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes cartoons. Ant-Man created Ultron. Yeah, which isn't happening here. (laughs) No. Unless there's a big retcon in July or whenever that film comes out. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him, but Ultron then turned evil and hated the Avengers for making him and for not liking him enough or felt rejected. And so he created Vision, the ultimate robot, to kill the Avengers and sent Vision to kill them. Well, the way this plays out in the early Avengers comics is actually counterintuitive. And keep in mind, Joss Whedon was a Marvel fan. He read these comics growing up, so he knows all this. The way it starts is the Avengers are having a happy Sunday afternoon or something. Vision shows up and tries to kill them. And they're like, who are you? Why are you trying to kill me? And Vision's like, well, I'm conflicted. I really don't want to kill you. I'm programmed to kill you. Well, who programmed you? Ultron. Who's Ultron? Ultron erased Ant-Man's memory. So in the comics, you first meet Vision, then you meet Ultron, and then you find out that Ant-Man created them but forgot. So I think that if you're going to tell the Ultron story that putting Vision in it, it's non-negotiable. It is part and parcel. You must have Vision if you have Ultron. That is the way it goes from here. He wanted Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. He wanted them in the last one, but they weren't sure who owned Scarlet Witch. Yeah, because they did appear. They were members of the Avengers, and I guess that's the clause Marvel was able to use to get them in this film. And let's not forget, of course, I'll tell Stuart this for the first time. He has nothing to forget. Scarlet Witch and Vision fall in love, get married, and have kids. Oh, 
Okay. Now, didn't see that coming, but maybe I should have. <laughs> Why bring it in here? Because there's a theme about children. Because this is going to be the child of Jarvis and Ultron. And Tony and Thor. It's a little bit of an origin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's muddy. But I do see someone that, in the writing, you don't always know when you're doing a draft or something exactly how it's going to turn out. But you're getting there. You're like, I'm going to make Vision be the ultimate child character. And that, you know, if... Ultron is the child of Iron Man and is having this fight, their child can heal that wound. That's what I think they're going for by having vision. And so we get an incredible battle about everything becomes about this cradle and what's inside this cradle and what's growing inside there. Will it be evil? Will it be good? It's a pretty exciting chase. I'll give you that. We're going through the streets of South Korea. Maybe I'd be more engaged if we hadn't just gone through the streets of Africa. Yeah, this movie, they touted how they filmed all over the world. And Yes, they say they go to a whole bunch of different places, but for as much time as we spend there and get to see it, it could have all been in Los Angeles again. I mean, really, I don't get any sense of place here. I had to really struggle to keep in mind where they were. I barely even see foreign language signs. I felt it was distinct. They got that overpass that's curved that I've never seen before. That, you know, there's things that feel distinctive to a place that rarely gets filmed. I don't know. I, I was into it. You get Widow on a motorcycle driving through overpasses. I, it's not like the, the stuff is bad. I'm enjoying it as much as any of it, really. But at this point, it does feel like overkill. It feels like I'd rather be seeing the plot develop than seeing more battles. I'm enjoying the action. I'm just saying that the places where the action takes place seems slightly irrelevant. I love the image of that Quinjet flying over the sculpture in South Korea. I wasn't familiar with that sculpture. It might have meant more. It's not like the Eiffel Tower to me in France. I like that they're going different places conceptually. I just think we're so wrapped up in seeing Captain America throw his shield that where he throws it is a little less relevant. What I don't understand is at the end of this, Widow does some theatrics that get the semi is flying. It's in, I don't even know why, but it is airborne. I do love the fact that Ultron bots, like their faces open up, they look down and like jets come out of them to blast off this trailer. Yeah, they're flying it up in the sky to take it wherever. Okay, so they are trying to take the cradle away in a Probably should have done that in the beginning rather than deal with South Korean traffic, but whatever. I was thinking that, but that's less conspicuous. When you see the <laughs> semi-trailer, it, it tells the Avengers specifically where to attack versus which truck. Yeah, but then where, where, what would Cap have done? But anyway, so we see her engineer some handoff in which she goes flying with this cradle into the ship that Hawkeye has been tailing them in. And Ultron jumps up and grabs her? lets them get away with the cradle, but takes her prisoner and takes her back to Sokovia to, you know, monologue. I don't get that. No, I don't get that at all either. He earlier had a great line. Oh, let me tell you my entire diabolical plan. But because Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver have left him at this point, they saw he was going to destroy all humanity and have the quickest character turn in all of history. They're like, we're evil, we're evil, we're evil. Oh, wait. Yeah, they were, they were able to find out because the vision who's being created, they actually have to create a brain for it to implant the interface from Ultron. And so Scarlet is therefore able to read a 
brain wave this time. She wasn't able to do that with Ultron and see the world exploding. They're like, we out of here. Yeah. So he has no one else to talk to. And I never really got the fact, given that he's trying to kill all humans, that he's a lonely chap. But that's what he's now telling us is he has no one else to show his plan to. So he's instead of killing Black Widow, going to keep her captive so she can watch everything happen while she gestates a life inside of her because she's actually pregnant and they just needed to get her off the battlefield. <laughs> yeah, and we do see that Ultron is still trying to evolve, at least. I do like, he's like talking and then this other Ultron comes up behind him and smashes the first Ultron and finishes the line and he looks a little more evolved, a little bit bigger, a little more streamlined. Still got speakers in the mouth, even though his mouth moves. It's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Does, is he made of vibranium? No, they're using that for something else. That would have made sense because it's super strong. Now, in the comic, he was actually made of adamantium, which would have really caused some problems for the Avengers here. <laughs> yeah, because they don't own the rights to it because it's on Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they don't even own the rights to that fake metal. Wow. I don't okay. know, but it seems like an X-Metal. <laughs> okay. So, yes, uh, I think what we're establishing here is for reasons reasons outside of the story they wanted to tell they have to suddenly yes shuttle scarlett johansson into a jail cell and get the plot in this way when she might have originally been written to figure it out through spy and sleuthing methods and we would have all enjoyed that i can hope so because i'd like to think joss whedon's better than this yeah i mean it sounds like he had a lot of things thrown at him i mean with yeah an unexpected pregnancy and characters not coming back maybe jane was supposed to be there instead of selvig i don't know but it does make this feel weird i had gotten to the point now where i'd i'd watched everything twice thanks to my theater hiccup experience with the fire alarm it's this last stuff where scene after scene i'm not sure why things are happening i could have appreciated watching the last hour again you don't understand why tony wants to make the exact same mistake and create another ai this is where i really turn against tony stark he was my favorite avenger all the way up until winter soldier where cap started to compete but here where he's like he gets hawkeye out of the room like hey don't you have some spy stuff you might be able to do to find natasha Again, he's a manipulator, and this one was really obvious. He is manipulating Hawkeye to get out of the room, and then he's going to turn around and bully Banner, who is the only sane one. And again, the movie never gives me an explanation. Banner's like, we're in a time loop. You want to create a second murder bot. It didn't work the first time. What makes you want to do it again? And the only thing I can think of is it's Tony's ego doing it, right? I mean, it's Tony. He can't stand a failure, so he's going to try again. Jarvis showed up out of the blue. He'd been the one changing the nuclear codes. Yes. Tony goes off to the Nexus. I'm thinking mad things. You know, there's this whole plot line that there's some hacker changing the codes to all the atomic weapons so Ultron can't set him off. They got to go to the Nexus, which is like where every piece of information goes through i'm like is man thing he wasn't he at the nexus of the universe is man thing the ultimate hacker at this point no it's jarvis who didn't die he just fractured his own ai to all a bunch of little pieces to go and hide in the internet so ultron wouldn't go after him and we see none of this we see tony no like everything that's important in this film we're told yeah, we see Tony in a giant computer room talking to some people who obviously have a crush on him. 
And the next scene, we see Jarvis is back. I have to think there's more cutscenes here that we maybe we don't need because he's explaining it later. Maybe it's not necessary. But man, this whole thing's feeling abrupt. And I am against Tony, even though I know he's building the vision. And even though I know Vision's a good guy. And even though I feel Marvel's marketing screwed up by showing us the vision in trailers and whatnot, when he should be this movie's surprise... Despite all of that, I'm still against Stark doing it again. He doesn't deserve to do it again. He hasn't learned a lesson. Like, that is the thing with Tony. Like, for a character arc, you learn a lesson and you change. He has not changed. Yes. He's he's doing the exact same thing. Well, here's the one thing that I know about next year's Captain America movie is that he's going to fight Tony Stark. So I think that that's what's being set up here. I've been watching this movie to watch where the rift is, and I think we're all on Cap's side. It's, it's a good thing it's not Iron Man 4 because we couldn't support. Tony <laughs> is turning into a bad guy. He is allowing his ego to, yes, lead us towards something that could destroy us. And he had that vision. Scarlet Witch It's where it gets discussed. The vision vision he saw of all the dead Avengers and the Earth dying and all of that, is that a premonition or is it trickery? I don't even know at the end of this movie. Maybe that's the point. Yeah, I feel it's muddy. I, I wish it was clear. Did he see a vision? I want to be on Tony's side. I don't want to be against him. But this film gives me no reason to side with him. Maybe they want him to be a villain. Like I said, he is going to be set up as the villain, I think. We got trailers for the Infinity Wars coming up, and we got a trailer for Civil War coming up in this film. I'd like to believe that. I really would. But we will see next year. I'm so tired of saying, oh, they're setting up something for the next film. I've said that for all of phase two, and they didn't. So I'm not sure really if they're setting up something for phase two or if because the main creative force of phase two, Joss Whedon is leaving, we're going to see a totally different reason for their rift. But yes, nothing changes here. I guess the arbiter is Thor because in the middle of a fight between Iron Man and Captain America, it gets aborted when Thor flies in. Goes all Frankenstein's monster and strikes it with lightning. Yeah, uses lightning to power the chamber because Quicksilver literally pulled the plug. Which was weird because I didn't think they had uploaded the AI yet to the vision, but maybe they just forgot about that too. And there's that infinity stone, which came out of the scepter. It was inside the scepter. It's apparently where Ultron's computer program came from. It's now in vision's forehead. And we are given birth to vision. Paul Bettany, he'd been playing the voice of Jarvis since Iron Man 2008. Never been on the set of one of these films before. They just sent him lines over in London. He'd read them. <laughs> uh, and they called him up and said, we want you to play vision. A change from the comic where it was the reincarnated mind of Wonder Man, a dead superhero. Yeah, but they still try to go for that look of the vision, which was always so weird for an android. Like, I don't get this design, except that they're trying to replicate what's in the comic. Now, I did read the original vision of the vision in the comic was to have them all white, but in the 60s and, you know, with all the Hulk was supposed to be gray, but printers couldn't handle certain colors. So that's why they made them these different colors here. I think it would have been cool if it was just like a vision, like a ghost. I just it's so bright and gaudy looking. I hate the design on this character. I love it. I think he's gorgeous. Even creepier than Slim Goodbody. You guys remember that from Captain Kangaroo? There was like a man that would put on a leotard and it was like... (laughs) 
all of the, the human oh, innards yes, or whatever. Yes, yes. That gave me nightmares as a kid. That's what I was thinking of. I'm like, slim, good body is what this is, which freaked me out as a kid. I yes. literally run away from the TV screaming in that part of Captain Kangaroo. This is scary. I didn't understand how it got birthed. I mean, with Thor suddenly landing on the casket and throwing lightning and people unplugging and yelling. I honestly had no idea what the scene was, but that is a great buildup to his birth. Because now there's this thing <laughs> in their midst, this floating, looking out the window. Is it going to fly out there and destroy the city? Is it going to join the team? I don't know what Vision is. You guys are helped by having some kind of comic book knowledge. I think this could be a new bad guy. I think this scene is fraught with tension. Tension that is cut with a with a joke at the end, a really good joke about him picking up the hammer and handing it to Thor and saying, okay, let's get to the climax. But in this moment... <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen next. Thor is the deciding factor here. And I do like the vision kind of wants to replicate Thor, creates a cape to wear just like Thor has. But it's like Thor's like, oh, I decided to go with this because that's the safest place for the Mind Stone, like having it in this android's forehead. That's that's the safest place for this rock. So why not bring him to life? I like that. I mean, if we're going to get into a future storyline where it's about magical gems, I don't like that. But if one of them is actually the power of a superhero, maybe I'll grow accustomed to it. It sort of personalizes what sounds like a dumb storyline. Yeah, I like that when he finally has his vision, we get to see them all. We see the Tesseract. We get to see that wonderful ether again. We see the orb. And yes, we see the scepter and the Mind Stone here. I like vision. I like the way Paul Bettany plays him. The look, he's just so clean looking, you know, just the mixture of makeup and CGI they did on him makes him look so alien, so weird. I love the way he does look at Thor and like, that's a pimp cape and makes his own cape. (laughs) I don't think though his powers are ever very much defined. He can shoot beams from that crystal on his head and he can float. I don't know what a vision is in the cinematic universe when this movie ends any more than I did when this movie began. Yeah, I don't really understand anything that happens next. They go to Sokovia. I'm presuming that he's a part of the team, that he's a good guy or at least going to be an ally in this film. And now, help me understand. I know that Ultron's picking up a big rock and smashing it down on Earth to basically to do what killed the dinosaurs. Yeah, he does drop a line earlier, Ultron, that meteors or something so clean about that. And it was a little giveaway, even though he said he had six or seven different evolution techniques for humans. He, he gives it away there. It's I don't understand this. He's created a vibranium core to hold this giant rock together, this piece of Sokovia, okay. to lift up into the air and then drop down. So there had to be enough of those vials for him to create, that was what I could not, I mean, we saw all the vibranium that was left and there was what, maybe about 12 Coke cans of the stuff. (laughs) And all of a sudden we're expected to believe that he's got it leached into the ground for miles and can lift it up so that it's basically a vibranium meteor. Yeah. To create no earthquakes or tremors in Sokovia. Like he's done this totally covertly. Okay, and that there's a button that he put in the church, which was at the center of the town. They set that up nicely. Now it's at the center of this vibranium core. And if they push that button, it I don't... Wh- what? Yeah, there's so much going on. Iron Man somehow, gobbledygook, figures out a way that he can destroy the city with the help of Friday. But it's going to kill everybody in the city. And... 
yet it's going to save the lives of everyone on Earth, and yet they don't want to kill everyone in the city. They don't find that an acceptable solution. Tony's fine with doing it if the team gets away. He doesn't care about the civilians. He only cares about the team. But Cap and Black Order are like, eh, we can just stay here and die. No, which is the wrong answer. It should have been the whole team goes, yeah, Tony, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And Hawkeye comes in, the human element, and says, team, we could do this. We could kill every single Ultron robot and save it. Like, there's your out. Like, it, it, you set it up in the middle of the film. And the fact that, no, the team's still fighting and they disagree and have different ideas. Like, don't tell me that Hawkeye matters and then he doesn't matter at the end here. Here's the thing is I never believed, even though I like the romance, I never believed that Widow would go away with Hulk and and leave responsibilities to the other team, particularly if it meant that all the life on Earth died. So they're just running away to die somewhere else. That doesn't really make any sense. I, I like that they have this fantasy together that they could one day go off and be together as a couple. I think that gives them an interesting dimension, but that they're trying to play it into this climax is an overreach. Yeah, I like that she kisses him, though, and then pushes him down a well. The look on Ruffalo's face is amazing. Yes. And I like <laughs> the look on her face where she's like, I adore you, but I need the other guy. And I like the look on Hulk's face when he comes back. I later read in an interview that Whedon is playing this much like the Peter David written Hulk, which is my favorite comic era of Hulk, where Hulk and Banner, they do kind of share a mind, and yet they're a little afraid of each other. Hulk doesn't like Banner, Banner doesn't like Hulk, but when Hulk comes up, he's got this smile like, yeah, you need me. (laughs) That's how I read that little facial expression. Yeah, no, no, I like the scene, but I guess what I'm saying is, I don't feel like they have anything for anybody to do in this final battle. I really don't understand how the Avengers are contributing in positive or negative ways to the chaos that is going on. I see people falling off bridges and Cap saves them with Thor. I see, yeah, a family being rescued in a bathtub by Iron Man. I get the kitten in the tree stuff, but what I don't understand is what they're supposed to be doing to stop this meteor from crashing into Earth. That's what is so weird, because in that first Avengers film, all they had to do was blow up the mothership and all the Chitauri aliens shut down. There was actually less for them to do there. They should have just blown up a ship right off the beginning. Here, they got a ton to do. They got to kill every Ultron robot. Like, they say that. They got to kill everyone because he could just switch out. The Vision has expelled Ultron from the internet, though. We did get that, and I wish we got a Lawnmower Man scene where we see, like, Ultron like trying to find a key to get back out but it's like they have so much to do and yet are these the people to do that like you got to evacuate this giant meteor you got to stop the meteor you got to kill every single robot why would you evacuate people if the planet was going to blow up I mean, the point is you have to stop it crashing down, right? That's all they got to do. Yes, but they want to save the people on it, too. Well, you save them by keeping it airborne. Well, yes, that would be another option. That's not where the movie (laughs) wants to go. Don't worry about getting them off the rock if the rock's going to fall and kill them anyway. Well, yes, but also, I mean, if it falls down in pieces, even though they're alive, and yes, it's better to be alive than the alternative, they're losing everything. They're refugees. They have no home. They have no country. Is it a whole country in the air? No, it didn't take the whole country. Like, cut it in half. There's a lot of wilderness that they took. No, I thought it was just the town by the Strucker Tower. I thought it was literally the same place that the Iron Legion had protected in the beginning of the movie, which that's pretty small country. I guess that's the point. Which is weird. It didn't take the whole thing. Like there are buildings left over, even though that church was supposed to be in the middle of the town. There are buildings still on Earth. 
when it rises up. Yeah, I, I think it's like Luxembourg. Like it's like a, it's really it's, a, it's like a city country. I mean, it's it's real small. <laughs> yeah. So they raise that up, and I agree. There's so much going on, but most of what the Avengers are doing feels really small. I again, we talked about this with the Hulkbuster battle. They're so focused on saying let's save all the humans that what they're doing is Thor is throwing a woman up for Cap to catch her. It looks kind of good, but it feels kind of small time compared to Iron Man trying to save the Earth. What bothers me is I lose track of the characters like the Hulk. Yeah, he has this great entrance and jumps up and we see him smash a few robots. Then he's gone for like a good 10 minutes. The Vision, he locks Ultron out of the internet and then gets knocked out and he'll show up at the end like they don't even have enough for characters to be doing throughout this entire fight. My favorite character in this end fight, and this is going to be really telling, War Machine. (laughs) (laughs) I did like when he showed up. John Cheadle shows up and starts blowing things up. I like that. Really? He's your favorite? Is he War Machine or Iron Patriot? Did they get rid of the whole Patriot thing? Yeah, they're back to the War Machine because he's like, that's a War Machine story. Okay. (laughs) I love Don Cheadle's facial expression during the party, too, when he tells the story the second time and it works. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's weird that Nick Fury has a helicarrier. Like, he's got underground and hiding. Where is he hidden this thing? Yeah. He burned up all his passports, but he kept a helicarrier in storage? He says he got it from an old friend. I think that's an oblique reference to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series. Like, he, there was, in the last week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Maria Hill literally showed up for some FaceTime call. And that's how they found the castle. I'm thinking he's saying Phil Coulson had a helicarrier in storage. <laughs> Why none of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. people? There's some tech there who gets a moment going, the boat's full. And why is that not one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters? It isn't? It isn't. I know you'd think it would be. I would. And more to the point, I'm kind of shocked. Colby Smulders isn't on that show? Maria Hill's too good for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I know. She's done three cameos now. Cameos? I thought she'd be the star of that show. Yeah, well, after How I Met Your Mother ended, I thought so, too. She decided to have a second baby instead. She really should just go lead that show, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she'll never be a star in this movie universe, but on TV, she could command that team. She doesn't even get Uhura-level status this time. This time, she pulls a gun and shoots an Ultron, and even that death is robbed from her when Nick Fury grabs some wreckage and stabs the Ultron bot in the head. And that's all they get to do. Again, this entire climax is about saving people, which I'm for, except it's not in very exciting ways. Yeah, they're going to launch a bunch of floating safety boats out to get the humans. From the helicarrier, it's just like, okay, we're going to evacuate it. Like, the Avengers would have been able to do nothing if Nick Fury didn't show up with the helicarrier. Let's look at what they're supposed to do. What they tell me is that if you protect this core, that this meteor won't go off, right? Like, that's the button that's going to make it fall? Yeah, if Ultron doesn't push the key on it, okay, it won't fall down. It'll just keep rising, which will still kill everyone because they'll run out of air. It's so thin up there. I was shocked that they weren't freezing and dying of shortage of breath already for how high up they were. (laughs) Be that as it may, I marvel at how it starts with everyone coming together and saying, together, we can battle this. We can say, we got Hulk, Thor, they're all there. They're like, nobody's getting through. And then Ultron's like, I have you where I want you. I think we're going to get the battle that this has all been building to. And next thing I know, they're like, oh, Scarlet Witch, could you watch this? Like, we're leaving. And like, she's like the one person left (laughs) to guard it. And then she leaves it. She goes off to like tear a heart out of the Ultron bot. 
because her brother's been killed and like the robot goes up and punches the button. I'm like, well, good teamwork, guys. Well done. <laughs> well, to be fair, her brother did die. I was I was surprised. I thought both of them would be returning. Now, they do have a machine that heals wounds. I, I can't imagine they'll just throw them in that at some point. Yes. I'll be honest. I thought Hawkeye was going to die in this film. It's a Joss Whedon movie. I knew someone was going to die. When we spend all that time on that farm, and then he's yes. like, one last mission, and then I'm going to mm-hmm. stop renovating the house. I thought that we were going to have the heartstrings tugged at because Hawkeye was going to die heroically. Yes. That Pietro dies to save him. Well, and I, I'm going to say dies in quotes because everybody who's died has come back to life at this point. And Aaron Taylor Johnson said he was scared of the multi-film contract he had to sign. Yeah, they got They showed us Dr. Cho has a machine that they'll fix him up with. Yeah, they could just put him in that cradle and he'd be fine, right? He's dead unless they want him alive again. But yeah, I was surprised they didn't kill Hawkeye as the emotional heart. It, I'm not sure it would have helped or hurt anything, but it was shocking because I had chalked him up for the body count. Well, I mean, that was the running joke between him and Quicksilver is didn't see that coming, didn't see that coming. You're right. I saw Hawkeye dying as coming. I did not see yeah. Quicksilver dying to protect him. And that was... Yeah, it was strange given that he had just made a joke about how he could have killed him and nobody would have known. It seemed odd. So it was a weird moment. On the second viewing, it's even weirder when you know how that's going to happen. And it's got Hawkeye running, oh, poor kid, must have just gotten hurt. It's- yeah. I do like these moments, though, with Hawkeye and the twins. I like the pep talk that he gives Scarlet Witch to finally give her the courage to go out. And she has that grand exit of the church where she's throwing lightning bolts and killing these ultra bots. And- Elizabeth Olsen looks cool. I love the, how she looks when she's doing her powers. Yeah. She embodies this role. Aaron Taylor Johnson makes no impact on me one way or another. Yeah. I both think that they need to stop going to the Count Chocula school of acting accents. <laughs> yeah. You can talk like that when you are from a fake Eastern European country. You just go find moose and squirrels. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's part Count Blah from Greg the Bunny and part gypsy but i like elizabeth olsen in this i just wish you know didn't they have another character try to pull an accent and lose it by a future movie oh that was storm in the x-men series where she tried that south african accent for the first film and they're like yeah no maybe by the time she shows up again in cap three they've lived in america for a while they've lost the accent yeah Elizabeth Olsen will speak Valley like her sisters, but I like her as Scarlet Witch. I like her look. I like her powers. The fact that everything turns red when she telekinesis is it. She gets some glorious fights. I love the slow-mo 360 they do. They had that in the last one where they did the 360 of the heroes. Here they do kind of a similar 360. Yeah, inside the church when they're trying to protect the core and it's, yeah, robots everywhere. Yeah, all during combat, and Elizabeth Olsen's kind of like at the center of it. She gets the spotlight during it. It looks great, but yeah, what does she do? Her plan is to defend that, and then her brother will get her to a boat. Then her brother dies, and so she just gets to a boat, and Thor takes her place because he needs to be up top with the lightning while Iron Man's underneath doing something else. I don't know. I could ask Scotty from Star Trek for some techno babble as to what's going on, but they're going to blow it up. I don't understand. And then they blow up this meteor and it's going to fall into water because like, yeah, they're worried about the pieces still doing a lot of damage. But I guess they blow it up enough 
How did they blow up vibranium? I thought vibranium couldn't be blown up. No, no, it's it was the fact of the giant landmass hitting and the fact. I mean, haven't you guys seen Armageddon? I guess you haven't. Okay, yeah, I thought it was the vibranium that was going to cause the end of time. So you see a giant vibranium shaft go into the water. Like that's the thing that would cause. Lots of damage, even if it falls into water. I, I saw G.I. Joe Retaliation. They dropped giant rods from space to destroy the UK. All right, admittedly, but let's not think of G.I. Joe. If they drop small pieces, yeah, it's not going to be damageless. They're small meteorites that are crashing into the planet, but they're not going to cause the extinction-level event of a huge landmass crashing with such force. So they've saved Earth. Yeah, but even here, all the pieces just fall in the water. There, there are no casualties. There's nothing hits the land. Why not just lift up any rock then? Why did they have to get all this vibranium and pour it into the soil? Because the vibranium kept the rock together or else it would have just fallen apart as they raised it. It was a magnet, basically. Yeah, and I thought it was also the machine that did the lifting. Okay. All, right, so all of this could have been helpful if... When Ultron was revealing his plan, there were some visuals. I feel like this is one that you go into with some visual aid. He needs a PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, PowerPoint. It would have helped. But I get it. But in the moment, it just feels like light, noise, fury, and nonsense. And the very end, they, War Machine has taken out most of the Ultron robots with the help of the flying Avengers. Thor did some. Vision was there doing some. And... Hulk, he goes after the Quinjet that has the Ultron in it, throws Ultron out, gets a great laugh. Jay Spader gets a hysterical closing line as he's thrown out. And then Hulk, he's just going to stay on the plane? It does seem weird that the Hulk's going to be able to fly that ship somewhere. I, I guess he'll calm down, even though Black Widow isn't there to do her little hand-petting move to calm him down, her lullaby. I guess that what we're to take from this is that... He's going off into a Hulk sequel we'll never see. Well, maybe. But no, let's let's keep it in character and let's keep it to what it means in this movie. He was given the opportunity to run away from responsibility with Widow and he chose to go off on his own. And more, uh, they've revealed that any solo Hulk films have to be distributed by Universal and Disney wants to keep all the money. So no solo Hulk film. Yeah, I don't I don't see this moment as setup. I see this as tragedy. It's it basically here was a woman that thought she could finally have the simple life that she hasn't believed since she was an agent. Since they, they cut out her reproductive organs, she believed that she was trapped in a life of being an assassin, thought this man offered something else, and it's kind of sad that, well, for whatever his angry reasons, or he's scared of her, he scared of what he'll do to her, I'm not entirely sure what, but he chose to go without her, and that leaves her left behind. They should have played the Lonely Man theme during that <laughs> flyaway scene. I should have heard, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da. Now, I've heard a rumor that initially that Quinjet was going to go off into space and Hulk was going to join the Guardians of the Galaxy. I shit you not. Mm. Oh, come on. So we have to wait to see what Guardians of the Galaxy 2 brings. In the end, it doesn't necessarily look like the Quinjet's going out into space. It does kind of look like it might be leaving atmosphere. But they said that since they can't do a solo film... He's going to show up in other films than Avengers films. Guardians might be the one. Yeah, they do believe they found the jet at some point towards the end of the movie. They don't know for sure because of the stealth technology on it. A lot of waffling. Yeah. A lot of lack of commitment here. I'm like, we don't exactly know what we're going to do because we've committed to nine other films. And this might seriously screw them up if we make a major decision about a cast member. But for now, we think that he's in Fiji because he crashed near there. 
Yeah, here, here's the biggest waffling point. You're going to try to sell me that you're going to bring in new Avengers. I know when we get to Avengers Infinity Wars, Tony Stark's going to be back. Thor's going to be back. Like, they try to write them off. They're all retiring. They're all going their separate ways. And we're going to get introduced to a new team. I don't buy it, though. Well, I'm not sure how many more movies Iron Man's back. Now, going through this Avengers series, I know how many times I've said Robert Downey Jr.'s contract is up, but man, his agent can do some negotiating. I know that he's coming back for Captain America 3, and then who knows about Infinity War? Maybe. Maybe not. Nothing against War Machine or the Falcon. I like him. I'd love to see a movie with that cast. I don't think that's who goes up against Thanos, though. It feels like the West Coast Avengers, the B team, you know? Yes. (laughs) It is a B list of Avengers, yeah. The spinoff that gets canceled relatively quickly, and yes, I I agree. Hey, it's better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I like that it's more diverse than the Avengers. We got people of color, we got women on the team. I just don't think mass audiences, who knows? I could be wrong. I'd love to see them be able to pull off. They're going to have to, at some point, be able to do Avengers without this original cast. Yeah, but it will always feel like the B team. This looks like the B team. It really does. Yeah, you, you can't start with Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, and then tell me, yeah, Vision. I, I'm not saying I disliked him. I, I don't know him yet, is what I'm he saying. He was born yesterday. I did love that line. He looks crazy. And I do love, I think he gets one of the best moments in the movie when he comes as a figure of death for Ultron. There is one bot that gets down to the ground and he's there to collect it. I actually thought that was a nice spooky, dare I say, Bergman moment. It felt like the seventh seal when death comes for the character at the end. It, it It's in the, the sunlight and there's just some poetic sadness to it that I, I really liked. That he basically concludes that, yes, humanity is doomed, but they're kind of beautiful in that impertinence and he's going to hang around and and watch us die i guess yeah i really like that speech because it's all very true it it sounded a little like gwen stacy would have agreed life is important because it ends but yeah it highlighted their differences i wish this debate had been earlier on to help me understand why ultron wanted us dead instead of coming at this very end but I do like that. I didn't necessarily see Vision joining the Avengers after this. He already said he's just on the side of life. I really would have been fine with this movie ending more ambiguously. And the last time we see the Vision, he's destroying the last Ultron bot. And then where does Vision go? He goes off to figure out what he's about. But no, he joins the military. Yeah, I don't see him taking orders very well. Is S.H.I.E.L.D. being rebuilt at this point? Is Captain America rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, he's building the Avengers. If you want S.H.I.E.L.D., turn to ABC on Tuesday nights. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So this is just Avengers. It is It is diverged from the S.H.I.E.L.D. organization. It will be his vision for what uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. should have been and never was. Yeah, kind of a partner organization, because at the end, they have all these titles telling us where we are. And the last one, we're at the new Avengers headquarters in upstate New York. Yeah, I did think it was weird that they're not in the Avengers Tower anymore. What wonder what Tony's going to do with that. It's got to be expensive to replace that A. I think they needed two bases for the next movie, perhaps. But also, if there's going to be a future, you can't have Stark Tower without Tony Stark in it. So we've got this now barracks where Captain America feels at home. This is the closest I think we get to an arc for him is he has always been pining for Peggy. And now he's like, no, I'm a man who fights wars and this is my home. I can't go back to Brooklyn. I stay here. 
And Widow makes sense. If she indeed can't have a life with Hulk or anyone, then I, she's always played best with Captain America. She was a great asset to him in the Winter Soldier movie. And I, I don't know what I feel about this new team, but I like the leadership. I like this as the end scene of the movie, seeing this new team. They've got new outfits. There were some people in my audience in the 2D screening who were like gasping. The most excited they got this entire movie was seeing this B team get together. So maybe I'm just jaded and think you got to have Chris, Chris and Robert in order to have Avengers. But they were loving these new group getting together. And then I did stay the entire end credits, like 10 minutes of it, as every country gets its credits. I had read Whedon said there wasn't an end scene, but I had to be sure. The entire audience where I was sat in their seats, till the, even though there's a mid credit scene, they all sat and waited. The mid credit scene, Josh Brolin's back. <laughs> or his voice? I think that's mocap. That looks like his face. Okay. But he keeps an infinity gauntlet in his high school gym locker. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm going to, what does he say? I'm going to have to do it myself. Yeah, I, of course, don't know what that means other than, yeah, there are these Infinity Stones and that there's something has been greenlit for 2018, 2019. That's two parts. In Avengers movies, that's two parts. That's about an Infinity War. So I imagine the space demon, whatever he may be, is going to come to collect all these gems, which I don't think are on Earth anymore, except for Vision. Visions is on Earth. The Nova Corps has the orb. Uh, the Collector has the ether. Vision has the Mind Stone. And Asgard has the Tesseract. So that's probably going to be a lot of Phase 3. I was a little concerned having just rewatched Thor in that marathon. There's an Infinity Gauntlet in that vaulted Asgard in that first film. And Kevin Feige's comment said in the cinematic universe, there are two infinity gauntlets. Thanos keeps one in his locker and Odin keeps the other on Asgard. Yeah. You want to have one on each hand, <laughs> but there's only six gems. I think that's just a explaining a way of they had put that Easter egg thinking, Oh, we'll never make an infinity gauntlet film. Let's put this in here. And now crap, we're making an infinity gauntlet film. Two of them, apparently. This is going to be so big and, and massive that it's going to take a two-parter Avengers story. And that's why Whedon walked away. When asked why isn't he coming back for Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2, he said, there's your answer. You said Part 1 and Part 2. <laughs> he might have done Avengers 3. He was not willing to do Avengers 3 Part 1 and Avengers 3 Part 2. I can hear you. Then this movie kind of speaks to someone that feels tired of it all. I can feel his exhaustion as we close out. But do you share his exhaustion? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Avengers Age of Ultron? Jacob. You know, it's not just Joss Whedon that feels tired. I said that with Robert Downey Jr. at the end of Iron Man 3. He felt tired of there. I feel kind of tired. Like, I want a purpose for these films. I want them to to feel connected and to feel building to something. But with Age of Ultron, this Avengers film is everything, or mostly at least, what I feared the first Avengers film would be. And, and that one surprised me. They gave a reason for every character to be there. Every character had their moments. Up to that point, it was the best Captain America film. It was the best Hulk film. It was the best Black Widow film. The best Thor film. It still is the best Thor film. Like That film did so much trying to juggle so many balls up in the air. Here... Those balls all start to fall down. They add a few more and they start to fall. I just feel like now it's just, oh, here's characters you've seen in other movies you've liked. Now they're together as a team. You should be excited about that. I'm not really excited about it. I, there's some great action scenes. I enjoy those. The moments I like are the smaller moments with more of the 
B, C, D list characters. I've always gone towards those characters. Like everyone's excited about this Daredevil thing on Netflix. Give me the Iron Fist one. Give me the Luke Cage one. Those are the characters I'm excited about. So when Hawkeye almost gets a reason to be justified for being on the Avengers in this film, I got excited. You know, Scarlet Witch and even Quicksilver. He doesn't do a lot, but I really like the Scarlet Witch here. So I like for the most part, the action scenes were pretty fun. I liked some of the smaller character moments. It's a recommend. It's not an excited recommend. It's, yeah, if you like all those other Marvel films, this one's eh, better than a lot of them. I've enjoyed this one more than a lot of them, like Iron Man 3 or both Thors or the Hulk. So a weaker recommend, but a recommend nonetheless. Stuart. You know, I have some sympathy for Joss Whedon because I go through, I think, what he's going through. Sometimes, if if you've heard our bloopers or our, our unedited podcast, I'll get started on a point and I'm really trying to make a good point. And then I get something happens. Someone will say something. We interrupt each other all the time. And I won't remember what I was trying to say. And I feel like that's what this movie is. I feel like this movie starts off being a really interesting way of talking about the moment when artificial intelligence needs to be respected as another living organism and they've set it up with tony and ultron and it can really be about something and then the marvel agenda comes in and by the end of this whedon can't hope to juggle all the things that's been thrown him scarlet's pregnant she can't do any action and we can't get natalie portman back and you don't have the money for this shot and we need to get this toy in there it just feels like he lost the plot and so it's a very very bad climax to what was a pretty entertaining movie up until that point. And so if this were a TV series, you wouldn't stop watching it because of one weird episode. But if someone asked me, hey, what happened on the show last night for Avengers Age of Ultron? I would, I would also say not much. I feel like this movie is diverting. It's entertaining, but not really a lot of consequence happens for all of its noise and all of its flurry. I think it's a simple plot that doesn't answer the questions that it begs. So it's a mild recommend, but having recently just watched The Avengers and realizing how good Whedon and they can be, it's a disappointment. And I came into this really, really hyped, but cautious. There were so many characters in this movie. Could they all get their moment and have it as well balanced as the first Avengers film? I felt if anyone could do it, Whedon could do it. That was my feeling. Now I just believe no one can do it. This film is chalk full of characters. I looked at this. There are 20 comic book characters in here. 20. There's so much going on in this movie. And I loved the first Avengers film. My excitement for the first Avengers film was, oh my God, all of these characters in one movie and loving the team up. But now this movie makes me appreciate their solo films. Like maybe you don't need all the characters together. Maybe you need to parse them out a little bit. When I kept saying, why didn't they call this character? Well, now I'm like, Please don't call that character. Don't try to give him justification and steal from a main character's art. No, it's too stuffed a film. It's like you've got too many people at the, the dinner table and there's not enough food to go around. In the running time of this movie, this feels like it should have been the Avengers Age of Ultron Part 1 to lead to the Avengers Age of Ultron Part 2 in order to do these characters the way they needed to be done. This could have been a Netflix series if it wasn't so dang expensive. This could have been a multi-movie thing. No, I'm disappointed in this as 
the apex, if not the end, of phase two. I'm disappointed in this movie for not giving me great characterizations and barely giving me any. But what this film does give is fun in great abundance. I didn't walk out thinking, oh my god, I loved any character. But I walked out going, I liked seeing them as an ensemble. I liked seeing them work together. I like seeing them fight together. I like seeing them party together. I like seeing them hang out on the farm together. The interplay of these actors who have been working together for so long now, it is a great sight to see on screen. It really is. It's a recommend, but I just kind of feel like this is the Iron Man 2 kind of thing. But yet, it's still the third best movie in Phase 2 so far. We aren't going to rank them to Ant-Man, but yeah, I mean, it's better than Iron Man 3 and Thor 2. Yeah, I'm there with you. That's not saying much, though. But it definitely feels like Iron Man 2 territory to me. It has some great scenes. It has some great performances. It's overstuffed. It loses focus. It's recommendable. It's definitely recommendable. Go see this movie. Have a good time. But keep your expectations low. I came in and I was like, man, Star Wars is coming out this year. Episode 7. And that's such a shame because how can any movie compete with Age of Ultron? How could any movie be better than Age of Ultron? And I'm like, all right, Star Wars, your turn. See what you got because you can do better. Yeah, I, the surprise is that it's really modest, that this movie is about laughs. It's actually kind of lighthearted. Even though we have a nihilistic robot that wants to kill all life on the planet, it really is about the jokes. And the jokes are pretty good. They're probably better than they are in Ant-Man. I haven't laughed once in those trailers. Come on, did you see the new trailer with the Thomas the Tank Engine scene? That got a big laugh out of the crowd. I did like that. You're right. I did like that. That, But, yeah. You know what? I'm going in completely ambivalent to it. I was been excited for every Marvel movie thus far that we have ever reviewed. I have been super hyped. Ant-Man, I'm like, all right, let's see what you got. If it was still Edgar Wright, I'd probably still feel the same way if these were the trailers we were given. Given that I know all the behind-the-scenes stuff, well, it's an odd way to end Phase 2, I'll say that much. But we'll be finding out that in just a couple of months. It's crazy, but we will be doing Ant-Man this summer. This is the closest release of two Marvel movies back since the original Iron Man and Hulk. And we all saw how well Hulk did. Oh, wait, that was the lowest grossing film in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we're doing a lot of other theatrical movies if superheroes aren't your thing or if you're tired of them like like I can be. Uh, we, we've got Poltergeist in just a couple weeks. That's part of our whole spring donation series. Yes, it is Spielberg-tastic. This Friday, we conclude the Indiana Jones series, which is our silver level donation. I thought we finished the trilogy, though. We did finish the trilogy. Unfortunately, we're completists, so we have to revisit The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And if you want any movie that makes Avengers look like gold, it's Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> Not as bad as you guys are hyping. I will just go ahead and say I've never felt this movie. It, it'll be interesting to talk about it. I hope you join us for the conversation. We're going to get to why fanboys hate this movie so much. I don't know that I can defend it, but I will try to be sympathetic towards the reunion of Spielberg, Lucas, Harrison Ford, 20 years past their original Last Crusade. And then that is our silver level donation if you donate $10 or more. In case you haven't heard our donation drives before we're a show with no sponsors no ads we rely solely on listener support to do the podcast we do week after week 
all the theatrical releases we're doing this summer, Terminator, Insidious, Human Centipede, Mad Max, Ant-Man, Fantastic Four, all of these weekend of release movies we're doing this summer, plus all the other movies we're doing this summer, is because of your donation. And if you donate $10 or more by July 31st, $10 gets you the four reviews of the Indiana Jones films, plus coming out in late June, a fifth review, Goonies. It kind of fits. Yeah, I think short rounds in it and it's got a lot of booby traps. And then if you donate $25 or more, the high watermark for the gold level donation, we're also going to Jurassic Park with those four films with the end review Jurassic World, the trailer shown at the beginning of Avengers. It's the one that shows the most details yet. And well... You know, we've been recording some of those shows now. There's some interesting conversations, and I think we've talked about some ideas of what Jurassic Park 4 might be. I think we're seeing that. Yeah, for better or for worse, we'll we'll get there and, and we'll discuss it. And not only discussing that, but Michael Crichton, before he got in bed with dinosaurs, told a story about theme parks run amok with Western robots. Westworld, Future World. We're going to cover those movies, too. We wanted our gold level to have more than four films in it. So we'll be starting off with Westworld, Future World, then Jurassic Park, Lost World, Jurassic 3. And then finally, once it hits theaters, Jurassic World. And if you go with a platinum donation of $35 or more, we are pulling from the vault our Poltergeist retrospective series. We did Poltergeist so many years ago, thinking it would never, ever have a sequel, never have a reboot. And yet Sam Raimi, a director who I really respect, is producing a remake of the Poltergeist series starring Sam Rockwell, who was in Iron Man 2. That movie's coming out later this month. So if you donate $35 or more, you'll get those first three Poltergeist reviews immediately. And then when the film hits theaters, our review of the remake of Poltergeist. I haven't given a red arrow to any of them yet. I don't know how because two and three aren't good movies, but I still love them. And I'm hoping to keep the trend up. I kind of like the previews. I think it's got a, a good look to the film. And, and there's reason to believe that maybe, just maybe, it'll be four for four. We'll know in just a couple weeks. And next week, we continue on the main feed going down Mad Max's Fury Road. We have one more movie before that theatrical release. Next week, we'll be back here with Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, Avengers! How could you be worthy? You're all puppets. Tangled in strings. Strings. There are no strings on me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Avengers Retrospective Series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight. Part of our Marvel Comics Movie Retrospective Series. This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. 
while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives, where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series, such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher, plus DC Comics reviews of Green Lantern, Batman, and Superman. Good luck keeping up. We also have non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews, such as Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. We made this thing, all of us. Please. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Here we remain as a beacon of hope. Shining out across the stars. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. You've seen what he becomes, right? I have. And it's beautiful. Godlike. The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Therefore, what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is welcome back. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have to explain that statement, sir. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Is it too much of a problem to ask? Because I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I really need your help here. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. Get yourself something nice for me. I already did. And? Oh, it's very nice. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. I've moved on to the next one because that's what we do, right? I mean, that's the job. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. You really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2015, all rights reserved. Any last words? Hulk! Smash! It's the end. Path I started us on. Nothing lasts forever. And I just saw this movie once in 2D, went to a satinate satinay. Satinay. <laughs> it's a satinay. <laughs> I'll even say the same thing for Bruce Banner and Scarlet Witch. Individually. Do you mean Black Widow or do you mean Scarlet Witch? Thank you. Yes. I, I, Scarlet Johansson, Scarlet <laughs> Witch. Uh, yeah. It's very tough. It really no, is. I know. It's it's yeah. Uh, we do get a Scarlet story here, and I, uh, we, we do get a Widow story here. Yeah! I would hope so. It, it was a big deal to Scarlet. It was I, a big deal to Black Widow. Yeah! And more, he now has the same kind of plot that we've seen in, 
Oh, what movie was it? Everyone. <laughs> you get which or are you which? God damn it! It's so easy to do. Yep. I, I guess he'll calm down, even though Scarlet Scarlet Witch, even though Black Widow isn't there to. When Hawkman almost gets a justification for being on the Avengers in this film, I get really excited. Hawkeye. I said Hawkman. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong universe. What? Mm. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> that got a big laugh. Yeah!